Hello and welcome to Keyframes, a podcast about anime. I'm your host, Ben Halliburton, and with me today is Andy. Hey. Duncan. Hey that. Jeff. Yellow. And that's all. I forgot that John's not here. <laughs> John is on assignment uh, in the American South. Uh, so, as advertised, we are going to be talking about OPs and EDs, both our faves, I think, and kind of the process, both the production process of making an OP and the sort of components that uh, go into a successful or unsuccessful uh, OP and ED. Uh, I know that Duncan did a metric crap ton of research, so well, I don't want to upstage you or anything. Uh, Duncan, begin your presentation. I'll be timing it. Yet. <laughs> yeah, is, I mean, do it as a TED Talk. So, hi, everyone. Yes. Uh, Got the headset. The all that jazz. <laughs> but, ladies, gentlemen, uh, my, my, my original presentation here is that uh, OPs and EDs are, in fact, the best part of the anime. The prime cut, as you will. And there's a reason that is true. That is because we know the best part of any present is the unwrapping. The glitz, the anticipation, the possibilities of what may be before we get to the disappointing reality of the actual, you know, present. And no, dark. you ruined Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> so, as I think the thing is, OPs and EDs are something that we haven't necessarily seen as strongly in Western media as you do in um, anime. I think, like, my question is, why is that true, and what makes um, them a particularly um, resonant part of, of anime fandom? And to get to the heart of that, what's their purpose? And as I can see, as I can see, the three main components to any op- opening sequence of anime: it has to act as an elevator pitch for the anime; it has to act as an emotional primer for. The episode upcoming, and lastly, it has to act as advertising for cross media promotions. And <laughs> when I don't think you can find any, well, many OPs anyway out there which don't strongly draw upon those. In fact, I think it's become codified to such an extent like that you can find anime opening parodies of stuff, in particular, like as almost a subgenre on YouTube. Like, there's... People have realised there's, like, a, a formula to this. Like, things... These things have to happen in, the, in this 1 minute 30 before the credits roll well, for us to, to truly call something an anime op, OP. And it's interesting because that also seems to change over time. Like, there's definitely an early 2000s where it's, like, Picture of a bird flying in the air. Subtitles appear. Main woman appears. Main man appears. And yeah. Turn to camera from behind. Like, then Sakura blows from one side to the other. Then it cuts to some more people as they turn also at the screen. Maybe some names appear. Producer names appear. Um, I think the other thing that you maybe missed with OPs is it's like the guaranteed two and a half minute heated animation that... Um, you can guarantee they could be like, well, that's that's one and done. So usually they put a lot of effort into it because they have a lot more budget because they can, because they know that it's going to be a big promo for the show. 
Well, we're uh, also going to talk about later, like that there are in-house versus out of like out farmed out OPs too, and I think that oftentimes those have very different stylistic characteristics. But that's like post two thousands. I think in the nineties it was just like I think of just like the classic uh, seinen sci-fi anime op like cowboy bebop or trigon where it's just like here are all your main characters here's them doing something here's a comedy shot here's a dramatic shot here's a landscape shot and and um it was it was literally just like if you were turning on the show randomly filling you in on like who the characters are just with like very blunt visual language but it's kind of become more exotic now i Uh think I was also going to say, oh, so quick, the other interesting, the other interesting part of OPs is typically One Piece, which after <laughs> about, after Drink, about, One Piece mention, everyone drink. <laughs> <laughs> which after about OP five or six, they stopped doing endings, and just had a super long, like three and a half minute opening animation. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. That's, so, that's very rare, except when you need some extra animation time and you're like last or second to last episode. Yeah, so they just they just forgo the ending it's the ending part and they've just got, which I actually preferred a lot more because he had a like a lot better song. I guess that that's that's really interesting when you have something which is running so long, so however many series one pieces, like you you don't need to be elevator pitching the show anymore. If someone's there, they're staying. It's yeah. just like if if you're on fifth series of one on on one piece, you don't need to be told uh, who who is what what the show's themes are and introduced <laughs> to the cast because like yeah that's that's pretty much dialed in at that point yeah. 936 episodes Oof. i think Oof. i think you might have gotten the idea by now i'm gonna go take a nap <laughs> but what if, the, what if what if the viewer randomly comes in on episode 872 and doesn't know what's going on <laughs> we need to have I luffy we need to have the weird like antlers guy um chopper. the Sorry, one Sorry, woman chopper. Nami, uh, Robin. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then the does Gintama does Gintama, Gintama do that too? Like, did, have they have they like come up with like a, a factory style for for OPs and EDs? I guess John should be here for that. I mean, Gintama have like they haven't just foregone the ending entirely, but then also Gintama's not been continuously running like One Piece has. Like Gintama's had breaks in. That's true. Um, yeah, but the other thing is, Gintam has also definitely made referential cuts. There was a great episode where they just had the storyboards, and they were just like, "Look how much fucking work goes into this." And then, <laughs> and then they just went, and now the rest of the episode, and there's like five. And it's a good joke. Oh, like, they call it. Works. They call it the Evangelion, where where you you can't <laughs> you can't throw together a preview for the next episode, so you just show the storyboards and the shooting the the shooting and voice actor script, and be like, I, "See, I, we are I doing see- the work." Yeah. It's like I think... it's like that, but at the beginning where they're like, "This is the work that we couldn't be bothered to do." <laughs> it's a good I think joke. E- it really Eva works. is is maybe the at least in Western awareness, like the as in so many things in anime, like the 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 proto uh, opening, which everyone else refers back to in some way, shape, or form, and, and just that. Like as you say, like it introduces all the cast, has these panning shots, these quick cuts, and all that, all that sort of revealing in like I think it's aged reasonably well. The <laughs> has it aged reasonably well? Be re- reasonably well, or is the show to which it's attached an all-time classic? Is actually the question <laughs> I'd ask maybe, you. Ben, maybe you might have a point there. <laughs> 
I mean, I love it. I love it. Don't get me wrong. Uh, whatever the name of the of the the poor woman doing the like disco dance pop, uh, <laughs> uh, cruel angels thesis. Yeah, I, I think Yoko Takahashi. Yeah, there we are. I think Eva Eva's an interesting one because it's at, in terms of the energy of that opening, it's so at odds of the energy of the show. Like this, this really poppy. Well, maybe that's the point. Once again, well, like, you, re- I mean, you've heard the the rumors that Anno uh, wanted it just to be stately classical music after something like Crest of the Stars or uh, uh, Legend of Galactic Heroes, but the uh, the TV station and the the production council wouldn't let him, so he just picked like the cheesiest pop music that <laughs> that just says Angel in it. To, to tie it to the show which we'll talk about that later but a lot of the songs in the op have nothing to do with the show at all to a point that's actually kind of comical mm-hmm. um well the exception being when the ops are sung by yes, the true. people in the show uh, like what, is... one of my like best examples for elevator pitch like ops is the mob psycho 100 season season one op which is like just about getting across here's your here's your cast here's these energy we're going for for this show here's some little plot teasers is thrown in amongst this huge collage of images and here's this banging song to go with it as Andy alluded to happens a lot in in anime sung by the cast and it, it's one of my favorite recent examples, not necessarily one of my favorites, because it does all those. It does all these traditional things so well and with so much energy. It's not really like original or different or going to stand out as as not doing the 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 classic stuff. But it it just does it all with such I, a pomp and energy. I mean, if we're talking specifically about Mob Psycho 100, then I disagree because I think that there's actually a lot of surrealism and uh, animation. Like the be- the beautiful translate transition from is it like a broccoli to that guy's head to then it extending to a cactus to that guy's head then extending. But that's something like... the show has itself. It's it's, it's it is signalling something you you are to expect from the show. I think like that's... yes, but it's not in such. Maybe a that's a mark of a better high... show. <laughs> it, well, yeah, I mean, Mob Psycho was excellent, but if you haven't you know figured that out over the many years we've been doing this, but like um. The the uh, like the I think that it that is an exceptionally good op that deals a lot, which does do everything you've said. But I think that specifically the op is super psychedelic, and I really really dig it. Like I love psychedelic like uh, surreal openings. They're like my total oh, me jam. Too. Yeah. Like yeah. And- like uh, well, I was thinking of uh, this is one that's good at introducing the characters and also just doesn't seem to take place in the world the anime takes place in except for like a two second clip is the first bleach op <laughs> with uh with asterisk by orange where there's yeah. all fashionable kids standing around and then there's just like a brief flash like two-thirds through the op of like ichigo and shinigami guard fighting fighting i almost called them blunts what are they called hollows hollows <laughs> i mean i mean <laughs> Is that the one? No, blunts are blunts are the are the soul are the, like the replacement soul <laughs> Actually, things. Yeah, I'm, I'm literally just we being H bomber guy from the uh, from the Ruby video that he just did of being like, please talk to me about bleach. I have so much bleach in my head, and no one cares. <laughs> um, 
No, where he's uh yeah, it's but it's just like fashionable kids like hanging out in yeah. like kind of urban punk areas, but it's kind of it's in a trippy way. I mean, it's not as quite as trippy as some some stuff out there and I like the really really surreal stuff like a uh, paranoia agents OP uh oh. with the weird world music and they're just all laughing and like they're just standing there and laughing I, in like life-threatening situations. Like there's a mm-hmm. lot of good stuff there, but that doesn't like teach you about the show. It's it's artsy bullshit. There's a lot of OPs that that have like the secret spoilers that I really enjoy where like mm. they they seem really surreal like mob like JoJo's like paranoia agent there and then go. after you watch JoJo. the show it like unlocks all of the imagery that you were looking at and all and it, mm-hmm. it just like adds another layer to it like I, I, Evangelion also kind of does that. Evangelion literally flashes important concepts from the back half of the show on the screen. <laughs> yeah. It's like Adam, absolute terror field, Tokyo <laughs> Three, and you're like, you'll learn about these about these concepts in episodes fourteen, uh, seventeen, and six. <laughs> yeah, right <laughs> after you watch the episode, you go, "What the fuck was that?" And then you go to the wiki yeah. and you find out. <laughs> I mean, JoJo. I mean, JoJo's. Um, I mean, again, drink for JoJo. Uh, thank you, Jeff. But, no, um, I, I do. I do other substances for JoJo. You guys do JoJo. Uh, Take some clonopin. Uh, just Molly out. No, um, the God, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> Make but, me love JoJo's, please. But JoJo... better, appreci- better appreciation of anime through chemistry. Uh, sorry, uh, but JoJo. Uh, the art um, and openings they sort of managed to tie themselves into the show in a really mm-hmm. beautiful way especially at the end of part three now I don't think this is the best Jojo opening the best Jojo opening is part two oh, um, but Jojo the third the second opening for part three is incredible like yeah. the way that it sort of it, it plays normally and it's a pretty banging song. Like you can watch it and enjoy it. There's loads JoJo's has of great ref- music. I will, I will say that whatever else I feel about Jojo's, they have good unsurprising for, for a show where everyone's named after a band. <laughs> <laughs> um, they, have, they have pretty good music. Yeah. Really good music. And, and like the, obviously uh, I think it's Coda who does a lot of the openings. I can't remember, mm-hmm. but I think it um, is. but the, uh, but the third, the second, the, the second opening, it starts off like there's a load of references already. Like I think a big part of openings is those sort of little references that keeps the fans engaged, yeah. being like, "Oh, you know where it's going to get to because of the opening tells you in a way." But like especially the um, the second part, like you watch it so many times, and then the last three or four episodes, it just changes because they add like this additional layer where everyone's sort of like where Jotaro is looking up and then he does his ora 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 and then the splash screen appears. But in this case, he does the ora 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 and then it freezes and then Dio's there yeah, and fucking walks past him and you're like, this is so fucking good. Like that <laughs> Very is the, extra. Yes. <laughs> it's so extra and it's so Jojo and they've done it I think in yes. every season since. I mean, most play, most most studios can't really afford like like you said, Andy. They're like, okay, that's an animation. That's that's a minute and a half of the show. We never have to worry about again, yeah. uh, and they don't change the op because of that. And I was thinking of speaking of spoilers, and for the next five minutes, if you're really invested in the ending to the Sanrosetsu Sensei manga, like mm-hmm. 
skip ahead five minutes. Uh, but one thing that Sunrise Espa Sensei does with all of its with all of its series is it starts out with placeholder cards, being like, "Sorry, we didn't have time to do an to do an opening," um, yeah. and then they'll have it, and then they'll have it with black and white, and then they'll have it with color, and then they'll have it with visual effects, and then for the um, for the spinoff OVAs, they'll often do it with paper craft or claymation or direct cell deformation, um, which is just something that. Uh, Almost said Shinzo Abe. You've been talking about Shinzo Abe too much, Jeff. Gonna go ahead and put the uh, Akiyuki Shinbo. Uh, Shinbo. Shinbo Abe would be Shinbo so Abe. Oh, if only. Oh, if only. Gonna use my 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 last wish. No, uh, uh, Akiyuki Shinbo loves like the kind of physical animation stuff, but it's also in the uh, in the OVA animations. He like hints at the actual ending of the manga, which is that. Um, again, I think this is a cool reveal, so don't listen to it. I mean, okay. I think but this it is something out... that is hinted, because Mids also loves No, I think it, ending, it is really it? hinted, yeah. <clears throat> it's hinted throughout the whole fucking show, from my understanding. But you don't, but you I don't, don't know, know it, it. And, uh, so the ending is that, uh, Kafka, Kafka Fura, the, like, uber-positive girl, is dead. Um, and all the girls in the class have one of her donated organs from when she died in an accident, and so she periodically possesses them to try to cheer up uh, the titular Zetsuba Sensei um, Itoshiki. Uh, and so, like, there is one scene where they're all sitting in a classroom, and then suddenly all the characters' faces are replaced with Kafka Furas. And, like, when you watch, you're like, huh, that must be his emotional state. There's all these girls that are fucking giving him a hard time about his depression um but no it's just literally true that you know all the girls are all the girls are actually they have a part of kafka fura in them um and that's why they when they introduce her they're like kafka fura pen name and she doesn't actually we actually don't know her real name for the entire show as opposed to everyone else who has very punny fin, pen every has punny pen names <laughs> so yeah i i enjoy that a lot and i think that um, Shinzo Abe. Now, uh, I think that uh, Akiyuki Shinbo has very good. Uh, all of his OPs are good, and I think that's just like the Shaft OP style, which includes mm-hmm. Andy's hated Shaft head tilt. Um, that he... I hate that thing. <clears throat> now it's uh, yeah. good. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, Shaft is like the most natural way to look at somebody. <laughs> <laughs> I if mean, Jeff, usual if Jeff sound dipped dipped really suddenly listeners you know why it yeah, did yeah. it was looking at us at a broken ass angle said it with a posed look I mean shut <laughs> <laughs> uh, Shaft does have like Bakemonogatari has like three four OPs in a season which is mental yeah, um, yeah. like one of the best yeah. ones is for exactly one episode it's crazy yeah no, yeah. Staple Stable's the best one. Yeah, uh, Staple Stable is the best one. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that sort of feeds into like the second thing I was, I was thinking about, which is like OPs as a primer for a specific episode or just what sort of mood directors want you going into something with. And mostly, you've only got one opportunity to do that because of budget constraints. But obviously, certain people like Shaft just go, oh, what the fuck? We're just having a new one for every two, three each arc why hell not and that seems to be like something like a that's a luxury or and b maybe that's something which is undervalued because it's not like that the the show we're talking about monogatari has been unsuccessful it's not like those ops aren't beloved because they 
do play really strongly into the arcs they are um, positioned with. And I wonder if like that's something which is perhaps underutilized. Like, how, can you guys think of many other shows which have like, um, well, Zetsubo Sensei is another one which n- non-shaft shows which have <laughs> uh, multiple OPs for a single you, arc. Aren't you talking about Dorohedoro? Doesn't that have multiple endings? It's got multiple EDs, yeah. Uh, I I mean, same kind of basic thing where, like, they. OPs and EDs are the same thing as far as I'm concerned for this topic. Oh my god, Duncan, get out of here. No, 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 no. Not same thing at all, Ben. I, I, I will argue this. Strongly. I mean, for the purpose of being allowed to in- be included in this topic, okay, they are. Fine. Yes, but I don't think like you're doing very different things with them. Like, I have a specific example for this, which is, um, I think something you you're also familiar with. I, I don't, I think, I don't know about Jeff and Andy, which is, um, uh, Spice and Wolf, uh, which is like a, a really like beloved show to me. Like one of the mm. first I watched and. Really, and just really enjoyed just because it has like a e sort of like these like weird trading company stuff which I I love and b this like weird um, sort of quasi medieval small gods stuff going on which I also love. Mm. Spice and Wolf was a show which was basically a medieval road trip following uh, a trader called Kraft Lawrence and a wolf god called Horro or hollow depending on who the fuck knows <laughs> dude, wh- dude why are you doing this to us you still really care about this <laughs> and anyway he... we, we we pronounce her name however you pronounce her name listener please don't please don't send us email. <laughs> yeah. but if, if the way you think it is right then you're wrong um so i'm just throwing it out there you're anyway. wrong uh, so it's we follow him this almost Vagabond like trader who just job and ambition pushes him ever onwards, and her, this god who's been forgotten and abandoned by her adopted land, to make her 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 journey back home. And it's this the OP is like this really wistful and melancholy tune, and it, it sort of swoops and glides across the the landscape which we're seeing on on screen. And it's all full of omens and portents, and it's all very good at raising tension before it starts. It's all all good at setting us up for a show which often its plots swing on the miniature details of of a a, a trade or a transaction mm-hmm. rather than any sort of dramatic action. And so you've got this really dark and foreboding intro, which sort of sets the mood when. The episode starts. You may literally cut to someone going, talking about number of fur pelts and uh, a number of silver coins and gold coins they're worth, and and that being a huge dramatic tension for that episode. And so I think it does a lot of heavy lifting in that show. But Spice and Wolf's also a show that by the end of an episode, it, it is tending to to actually say, okay, these these things could actually have pretty horrible consequences for someone. They might be basically sold into slavery as a result of their debt or imprisoned by the Inquisition. And it's weird that it then actually finishes with an incredibly light ED. Like, it's mm-hmm. got this really heavy, moody OP, and then it's got this almost bubbling pop ED. And it's it's like this palate cleanser. And I think EDs do have a different purpose, because with the OP, you're setting someone up for what they're going to experience. And for the 
it's for the ED, for the exit music, you're setting them up to think about it. Things like, I think, Sarazanamai recently was an- another good example where you have this fairly typical OP, which was still good, lots of energy, all good. And then you had this absolute lovely ED, which is just like... Um, it was like... Yeah, low well, Is it shoegazy? Would that be the right genre? Almost, I don't know, but it's it's very much like just gives you a moment to think about the the what's been, and I think that's often the the purpose of an ED. Why to... are you pulling balls out of a man's butthole? <laughs> <Yeah>. I'm really <laughs> yeah, thinking there's, about there's... that intricately. <laughs> the ending of them of kids looking at phones in a real life Tokyo and then disappearing. Yeah, no, that that's what I thought as well. Carry on. <laughs> so do you think okay so Andy are you actually saying you think that that's uh, the no actually I won't fall to this troll yeah you're you're being you're being played I I I, <laughs> Don't I, be fool. I, I skip the ending of Sarazamai every time ah oh, it's so good it it's was so fine funny. it was fine it was fine and the ending was great it was fine I would normally just pick up my plates and move on with my day like it didn't really leave much of an impact <laughs> okay here's a personality <laughs> test for everybody do you skip OPs and EDs. All the if time. They're, if they're not great. If they're great, I'll Sometimes. watch them every time. Yeah. yeah. Has there ever been a show where you've watched it every time? Yeah. Escafone. Pop, Pop Escafone. Team Epic. Escafone. <laughs> That's a good one. Pop Team Epic. Uh, I'm pretty sure I did it with... Um, yeah. There's a, there's a fair few that I've skipped. But sometimes I'm just like, I can't even be... Like, like Flip Flappers also had a great ending that I never skipped. Yeah, as well. I love Flip Flappers en- ending. It's um, just like this... God, I hate y'all. Uh, <laughs> ping pong as well. I don't think I skipped that one. And Bacano probably. Bacano yeah. Well, it's it's very hard to skip the the first Durarara OP and the Bacano OP. Honestly, yeah. yeah uh, really and good. the uh, Girls Last Tour ED, I watched every time. The, like the chill one that's like oh, been sketched by hand. Yeah, mm. I love that. And but I actually love the opening as well of Girls Last mm. Tour. Uh, I like the ending more than the opening. But yeah. real quick, before we move on, to answer your question, Duncan, um, a show that changes up its OP as much as a Shaft show does, I would say Space Patrol Luluco, uh, which has a different, a slightly different OP for every season of three episodes, <laughs> um, including yeah. when, uh, spoilers, when Luluco dies, they just have a version where just she's not in it, and there's just, like, blank air when it's supposed to be her introduction. Oh, it's really good. Uh, <laughs> I think we mentioned this, but uh, Kimono Ferns also has a really subtle change to their ending, where the girl, the the all the animal girls just aren't in the ending, and it's oh. really powerful for a show that is really not worth that much. <laughs> Another p- personal favorite of mine, um, Review Starlight, uh, has the same song sung by a, a different actress at the end of episode every episode so it's it's a bit like mm. we were talking about last week where they're letting the different voice actresses showcase yeah. themselves in, in the ed and the, pop, one team, thing I, pop team epic does the same thing yeah it's just <laughs> that there's a few shows who are who are the opposite of what andy talked about earlier the opposite of one piece that they don't have an op but they do have eds like recently um Oh bloody hell! What was that that show we watched last season, Jeff? The uh... I mean, Fooly Cooly is the one that stands out to me. Yeah, Fooly Cooly's uh, Cooly hmm. is one classic, which is um, also funny because that show is known primarily for its music, almost before yeah. anything else. Well, that's because it's got one artist band who does the whole music yeah. throughout the whole yeah. show, bar yeah. a few interstitials. Like everything's by the pillows, which again mm-hmm. is another reason why that show is so fucking good. Um, 
and like another uh, my 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 personal favorites uh, from the new world never had an ed because an op because it it wanted to keep a sense of uh, mystery in its start it wanted to keep you unsure of what was going on in it so it didn't want to do, do that that elevator pitch that most ops do it wanted just it just had this short vignette in at the start of some which revealed some of what was going on in its world and society and that, and it's ed which is one of is perhaps my favorite it's of all this this stuff my my favorite one is perhaps the ED of from the new world which is just a almost a ray of light era madonna-esque uh a tune which is just sort of accompanying this sort of rotoscoped abstract landscape that someone's moving through and like you've got this the one with all the lights the lights it's it's like a it's like it's like a lot of blue and black and then there's just like white lights and a boat floating through yeah it's like a it's a like a a light they're basically having a it's like a light festival uh, um they're that she's passing through it's it's basically the whole show is framed as like this narrative of told in retrospect by an adult of her youth full of regrets and tragedy and like this it's this ed farm more heavily reflects that than than the actual show does because the show itself is so full of the the present that you sometimes forget that it's being told in retrospect because you only get little moments when that's heavily signalled, and like this, it's the ED which makes the inevitability of it all and the tragedy of it all work. And yeah, it's that's that's one of the reasons I, it's a great one for me. But I, th- I think like as Andy said, like FLCL is another great example of a show which just didn't. I think more due to in that in that case more due to a lack of any sort of coherent narrative from a, <laughs> in each each episode sort of wouldn't have benefited from a, an op so it, it could just go straight into it. Although I've, I've yeah. heard people they have a, they have a title drop, but they don't they with like a title screen, but they don't have an op. So yeah, yeah. I mean, like the, the, there is like music you could almost say is is you'd feel. Like um, in the in the opening shot of the the first episode of FLCL, the 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 sort of deep strumming of the guitar as as he, the voiceover goes is almost as iconic. But yeah, I think that's one's called Little Busters. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah. but yeah, I I think like I'm not sure if like this is the last thing I'll bring up, and then I don't know. <laughs> is that I think like movies are a almost separate category unto themselves, just because of the sheer. Um, amount of resources they can bring to bear on the, their choice. So part of my re- research for this was to go through YouTube and find out what the most popular OPs and EDs of the past, however long YouTubers exist, <laughs> in number of years. And the what shocked me was like it's not what you thought. Like the this, the the top three. Wait wait wait! Can we guess? Sure, go on, go on. guess. Top three OPs and EDs. Yeah, top three. I mean, I would... I including would... films. Including right, films. Number one, uh, Canadian Dragon Ball. <laughs> <laughs> I would reckon number one... Number one would definitely be Cowboy Bebop. Like, not that even one. close. Really? Not even yep. close? Ben, come on, you're number... 
I, ha- I hate guessing games. And also, there's so much takedown issue on YouTube. There's, it, we that's don't true. know if it's that so popular that they've been point. taken down. But, but the, the Cowboy margin... Bebop one is, uh, is Funimation, so that shouldn't... Like, if you I search Cowboy say... Bebop EOP, it will come to Funimation. Say, the margin of victory here is almost treble. Uh, it's just a complete and utter beam off, which I had no idea. And so it's evidently 100% to do the it'll artist a, rather... It'll be a meme than... as fuck one, I guess. It's not. In fact, it's, no. something, it's something only you've actually seen, I think, Andy. The no, actual that's not fair, movie. So do you want to take one guess knowing that it's a movie you've mentioned on here and only you have seen? <laughs> no, I have no, no idea. Go ahead. So the with 303 million views... Wow. Uh, is the OP2 fireworks. Have you seen them? Really? I don't even yeah. remember the fucking OP for fireworks. So what? it's... <laughs> 300 million. Can't argue with that. Uh, Number two is the uh, Your Name OP. That, is that, isn't that the Who? No, no that's... You're thinking of... Uh, blah. Silent Voice was what I was thinking of. The one about the deaf kid. And Joint Free with... Is the OP to No Game No Life, which has a, like 110 million in views. Gross. No this is, why, this, is, this is fake news. And, this is fake news. And the only one, and joint, and just very closely behind that, and worthy of special mention because it's the only one which is uh, was produced in 2019, so it's like the most recent, and so it's gained all its views really recently. With 102 million, is the OP for How Big Are Your Muscles? It's a good song. It's a banger. I, I, don't, is, I, don't, but, I don't believe this. So I have no idea how it. it I mean, did I'm that. seeing no game, no life. Hoping it's only got three. I think you maybe searched for the wrong one, but I'll I'll link okay. after. But they they all like the the all these songs would like the notable thing is the top two are evidently carried by a, the artist. I think in your name's case, it's probably a bit of both. It's pro- it's both the artist and the 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 film itself. But in the case of fireworks, it's evidently the artist is carrying that song rather than the show or the film, and I think that's something which is different with films that you and was true in in West as well that you would get headline acts for films like the, the film soundtrack still featuring someone fairly big putting out an A list song for it. And I that's, think that's unless ha- you're Seal in the Batman Forever soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody else's A list song. Batman Forever soundtrack was a fucking amazing piece of, of, of like, like when you have a, a Batman soundtrack which has Nick Cave, PJ Harvey, yeah. Two Seal. Oh my god! Oh, like, I was making things. boomer cast jokes before. <laughs> Jesus Christ! We are boomers. Embrace it. It's okay. Uh, so we've we've talked a lot about we've talked about like the artsy uh, ops and eds. Uh, and we talked a lot about the ones that are just fulfilling a very distinct narrative function of briefing the viewer or showing evolutions in the show's plot. Um, but what about OPs that are just funny or wacky? Like, what about the Nietzsche Joe OP? <laughs> yeah, Nietzsche Joe. I was also, I don't know whether you guys did check out uh, the Pop Team Epic one. I know I've mentioned it a couple Never, times. Never, I'd rather die. <laughs> oh, man, that opening is, is genius. It's so fucking good. I would really recommend you watch that because it's so so bizarre and weird and like it's basically them just like drawing their faces in whatever fucking thing they can come up with and then like them having weird pairings as they turn to like apples and oranges as they're 
walking down the street. It's bizarre. It's very good. If you like the niche show opening, you like the pop team epic one. There's definitely a subgenre of comedy openings which are yeah. just do have their own rules. Like even like light comedies, things like um, um, Kobayashi's Dragon Maid or um, things like Toradora. Like there's definitely like a, a sense of like doing. Yeah, I think Dragon Maid is a great example because you've got all these like weird shots of. Is that the like, one with the candy being cut? Or was that the ending? Yeah, yeah, that was really strange. Yeah, well, I mean, I think the, the the key for all OPs is that they have to deliver more so than you know the elevator pitch or anything else. It's the vibe. It needs to like mm-hmm. it needs to tell you how to feel for the rest of the show. And that's why the Ninja Joe one is so great because it's so manic and so high energy. Yeah, it's a it's a faster paced and more engaging version of the Chromarty High OP. Mm-hmm. Oh, just like I, here's I wacky, about that one. Here's wacky stuff from the show. Uh, watch right. more, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but sometimes there's also like like I was thinking of uh, the Princess Jellyfish OP, where it's just a bunch oh. of movie references. Oh, that's so good. Which which also has no reference to the show because the show is not about movie references. Or yes, not or at anything. all. It's just. I mean, there's references to who the characters are, like the the girl who's got a crush on older dudes, like. When yeah. Darth Vader takes off his helmet, it's like the handsome older politician. She like gets like squishy, like, like glittery yeah. eyes. Um, but yeah, it's just like, hey, do you know all of these movies? Star Wars, uh, Murder on the Orient Express, <laughs> uh, Enter the Dragon. That's an example of a, a OP which really didn't fit it, its its show, and you do get those occasionally. Like my like final notes were really good OPs for really bad shows. Do you guys have any <laughs> any good examples of that? Uh, Chutukoi. Chutukoi. Chutukoi is good. Um, Chutukoi gives you a headache because it's switching back and forth between the left and right panels so fast. I mean, the second opening of um, Osamatsu san I don't think it was necessarily. I thought you liked Osamatsu, or was it second Not season? Second that... season, yeah. I didn't enjoy. First season's genius. Second season catches in too much. But yeah, I like uh, Osamatsu san OPs are really good. Yeah, they're a bit. Second season was a bit naff. Uh, I would say uh, Fist of the North Star 2, like the U-Wash Shock <laughs> is like way more famous, but uh, Fight in the 90s is just like, it's just such a banger. It's such a great song. <laughs> I would say also Naruto's third opening is pretty fucking good. <laughs> uh, yeah, which is bad. Like the show is bad, but it was getting good by then. Which I think is the "We Are Fighting Dreamers" by. Oh, I love Bobby that! Pumpkin it's so King. corny, though. Yeah, we yeah, fighting. Yeah, oh man, love that. But bad, bad anime. <laughs> Dororo, Dororo was had a, a good op and turned out to be disappointing. Sadly, um, in you like for me, I had two standouts, and this is kind of like revealed the dark inner workings of, of anime ops to me, and and that was, uh, I I. And because they came out in quite like quite quite a short uh, period of time, that was Inuyashiki, um, Last Hero, and Kokoku. Oh God, I can't pronounce that one. But they were both absolute bangers of OPs, like just really high intensity, really catchy, really amazing visuals. And like they were nothing series, like absolutely outstanding OPs and nothing series. And it turns out. When you look, what's the is there a, a joining thing? And that's yeah, there's a, um, a production company and there's a producer. There's there's no creative talent in, in 
thinking this sort of thing. There's, but there are very much companies and their representatives who know how to pick a track which will suit a, a property they're on the production committee of and, and put that front and centre and get their artistic exposure and hopefully it'll also go well with the anime. But I think in some cases it's very much... We can get this really striking music video done for uh, this artist we want to break out. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, wonder how many... I would say that Cock, uh, the Cockcook or whatever the fuck it's called... Didn't really need to have a breaking head artist out because that was Miyavi and he's fucking massive. He doesn't need to break out. Um, I also realised the trap you're trying to get me in, which was to talk about Perfect Insider. No, bad Duncan. I'm not talking about that trash show, but it was a great opening. (laughs) Something I I wondered with looking at the vintage, more vintage OPs as well, is like I feel like there's been a drift away from using English... English language bands, or at least English language based bands, to using more homegrown talent. For example, Serial Experiment Lane, Mushishi, um, Ergo Proxy. Yep, on there as well. Ergo Proxy, yeah. like, where, where they use like big, either big big name bands, either for the ED or the OP, or even just just English language. Ergo Proxy has fucking Paranoid Android by Radiohead, yeah. so it's like. Yeah, for a, the most on the punk, on the nose cyberpunk reference that you can have in your cyberpunk anime. Yeah, or you can have uh, "Fly Me to the Moon" at the end of Evangelion. <laughs> yeah. For another yeah, but secret not, spoiler, not sung by Sinatra. So, no. <laughs> but was filmed in Abbey Road. That was recorded in Abbey Road. Hmm. Interesting that version of that version of um, "Fly Me to the Moon." But anyway, are you talking about like westerners or like as yeah. in western bands? Yeah. Or are you talking? I just imagine. The way that anime is done now, it's like they can't a afford it and b get the rights as quickly as they can. Although that's not true because JoJo has again famously roundabout by yes, uh, which <laughs> is an incredible yeah, ending. Um, that's that's maybe the most iconic ED in a weird way. In a in a while, for sure. It's created a meme in and of itself. Uh, yeah. That opening lick of roundabout. Um, but yes, I I would just say that it's precisely that they can't get the, uh, the money in. Or, yeah. Unless it's something special like The Great Pretender, which is this season, which does have Queen's Great Pretender in as an opening. But even that, that's that's B-grade Queen. That's not like their... Yes, their, their, whereas Whereas JoJo's ha- is like, I think, a great example because it has things like Savage Garden, who are still a pretty huge band in terms of like business they do. But then they also had Pat Menthe group for the whole of season three. I don't think anybody has heard of that band until now. They did Last Train Home, the ending of that, which was really fucking good as well. Like really serene and just like a. I mean, stills. yeah, they got a. They actually had like a huge comeback and ended up putting throwing together a greatest hits album with that track on it because it was selling so well due to, <laughs> due to JoJo's. I'm not kidding. No, I I started listening to this whole collection because of JoJo. So you know it works. Like this is what's. You're one about, of the people buying the yeah, greatest hits album. <laughs> buying the greatest fit, and you know Pat Menthe group's pretty fucking good. Like if you want some chill jazz, then go for it. Like you can't go much wrong with Pat Menthe. But you know JoJo's a specific <laughs> thing that we can't. That is its own strange entity in and of itself. Um, yeah, I I just wanted to bring up that like my favorite no one knows about them staff member thanks to OPs is because of the. Uh, Record of Lodas War, Chronicles of the Heroic Knight, 
which has an incredibly beautiful OP sung by uh, Maya Sakamoto of uh, incredible like fame in so many animes. I'm, Escaflone is what jumps to mind, but she's been in a million things. Um, but the uh, it's got an OP done by Nakazawa Kasuto, who is largely just like a character director and sometimes animation director who came up doing keyframes. Um, it's hard to find his full body of work because he changed the spelling of his name once and also worked under a, <laughs> a pseudonym. Uh, so did it just to frustrate you? Yeah, Nakazawa Kasuto, uh, where he where he uh, changed the the second character of his name uh, halfway through his career, and also uh, also went under uh, Takeshi Tsuji. Uh, yeah, that's, but, uh, that's pretty common, like. Yeah, it's it's just frustrating for for credit <laughs> purposes. Uh, but yeah, he came up and he uh, he's like uh, came up in 1968, so he's he comes of age at the same time as uh, a lot of the other big names in uh, in anime. But he just only does like minor stuff. He did like the character design for El Hazard, uh, character design for uh, say uh, what's the one with the big like creepy ghost eyes that you hate, Duncan. Uh, House of Five Leaves. Um, I think that's maybe John dislikes that. I don't. Uh, maybe <laughs> one way or another. But yeah, he did. He did the. Op- he did the. Uh, he did character designs for. Uh, for Samurai Champloo, did the OP for uh, Kids on the Slope. So he's like been been around with a lot of stuff. But it's just a really incredible OP, and it's really nice to like. He's literally under the minor like minor credits tab. All this stuff is on AnnaDB, and so it's nice to have a reason to like look up his name because otherwise he's not a particularly like well he hasn't directed much he does like a lot of like experimental animation shorts that submit to festivals but otherwise he just kind of does episode direction does ops does character design does key animation sometime that's it and so it was nice to go through and like all of his ops are really good he's a really good op artist uh he did the op for the uh for the 2012 season of Kuroko no Basuke, Kuroko's Basket. So, like, that's just what he does. He's just a guy who does, like, the OP art. Um, and it's nice to watch that. But I, wish I, I wish I could know who's in, who should be credited for the first Dorarara OP and the Bakuno OP, because both of those are one of a kind, two of a kind, I guess, rather speaking. <laughs> so is that all? Jeff, you've been, as designated laugh track for the podcast, you've been very quiet. Is there any... <laughs> Have there been any great OPs that have... I think this is actually a question that's good for everybody, but Jeff, you should answer first. Have you ever been seduced into watching an anime just by seeing its OP or hearing its OP music? Or ED, for that uh, matter. I think that's actually why I watched Paranoia Agent. Um, I just <laughs> It's a very weird, upsetting OP, yeah. It oh, is, and, and the song itself is just like... It's, it's such a, it has such an amazing energy that like I, I still listen to it like probably once a week just randomly because i love it <laughs> but the, the juxta- okay it's one of those things in which the juxtaposition with that like op of them like laughing and it's it's such a simple op it's like mm, it's very li- simple it's literally like yeah characters in the show laughing to really distressing backgrounds but then like the opening is it's just so ju- jaunting, so juxtaposition that it just really puts you on edge every time you see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's then a str- the show stressful, weirdly. Yeah. It is. I watched it again, like, because we were, mentioned it. And yeah, man, even now it just gives me chills, like, watching that mm-hmm. OP. It's good. It's really good for the wrong reasons. <laughs> yeah. So I, th- I think this is 
is one which were, I think cemented my love for a show and and may, maybe I was really sceptical of the show and this kept me thinking it had potential and kept watching and that's uh, the OP for Land of the Lustrous which hmm. is you start watching that show and it just seems like this uh, cute cute gem girls doing cute gem things with their cute gem butts and all that cute stuff and yeah it's got this really quite strange and mysterious OP like I, I can't can't pin it down, and that's why I love it, I guess. Yeah, but does it resonate with the show? <laughs> yeah, because, uh, like, part of um, the good stuff of London Lustrous is it starts out as, like, just, like, oh, you just have these these girls seemingly just living together in this strange land, and you don't really know anything about about it apart from their gems for some reason. And, like, the slow unravelling of why that is a thing and what that might mean and where, what this... Is, is going to end up doing to them like i like i think the it's an op which actually almost does more than its show ends up doing in the end because it gestures <laughs> towards some things i know happen in the manga afterwards so it's it's and london lustrous is a show which i don't think they'll ever do a second season even though it was an amazing show because it has just got a completely and utterly crazy second and third arc to it and i have no idea how it could ever be um televised but some of that mystery and strangeness of it is captured by the op op and for for that it's it's an artifact which maybe captures something of the source material which even the show was never allowed to Hmm. my one will probably be um beastars that opening i watched before the show i didn't really know anything about it and that Opening, which is all puppets um, and frame, stop frame animation, uh, that absolutely captivated me. Absolutely love that. Uh, it's beautiful. Um, so yeah, that really, and I felt worked with the show as well. I really love yeah. that opening. Uh, so B stars for me. I, I mean, I think usually what happens with OPs uh, is that I get tempted into watching older shows that I would normally be interested <laughs> in, like uh, like Nadia. Um, I started watching because of the OP, and same with uh, uh, Urusei Yatsura, the uh, Lum's Love Song from the first like twenty odd episodes of Urusei Yatsura. Definitely, definitely pulled me in. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I want to bring up XL Saga, but I didn't. I just love <laughs> XL Saga's like because they're singing like in like a weird pop like studio uh, where they're like on microphones and uh Hyatt is like coughing up blood and has to drop out of the song several yeah, times yeah. because she can't stay and then the Puni Puni Poemi which is the weird spin-off starring all the cast and crew from Excel Saga as part of a magical girl story those are both just so weird someone sent them to me it's just like look how weird the show is which is unfortunate that that's how people get introduced to Excel Saga which i think is smarter and doing more ultimately but it is pretty yeah weird. <laughs> it's pretty <laughs> weird uh as hint as hinted by like doing this really awkward like kind of like studio like pop song where one of the characters is just like coughing up blood and eventually like drops out of the op because she's presumably dead uh and then the end of, and then the ed for excel saga is uh menchi the dog singing about how oh, yeah. he, doesn't, he doesn't want to be eaten and there's a woman off to the side who's like reading off the translation of his little barks it's like meow, yeah. meow, 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 meow. What, uh, please don't eat me yeah i'm just on that on that uh same <laughs> similar energy 
Have you seen the openings and endings to Haranoche Gu? Which, no. uh, oh, which is yeah. like set in a jungle and has the most insane sort of like just really weird like funky energy and a similar like just one one of the characters just singing into a mic. But unlike it being sad, it's just really punky and poppy and uh, has been parodied a lot, I think. Quite funny. Worth a, worth a watch. Very odd show, Harinoche Gu. I, I think I'll, I'll, I'll just quickly throw out an honourable mention to... With, the OP of Honey and Clover for basically breaking all the rules we set out. Oh yeah, I love especially the, uh, is it the second one that's got the, because the first one's just like someone doing like making weird food, food sculptures. sculptures. And then the second one is like a very like mid 2000s CG of just like various like various things while it's got a very yeah, it's hard to explain the the the, uh, the Honey and Clover two. It ends with a, a fork sticking into a CG pancake. Oh yeah, yeah. it's got the uh, the the unicorn with the dog. Yes. with the uh, which is, is like it... weirdly the like logo unicorn with the line with the dog with the duck on top, and then it transforms into money and falls apart. And that's the, <laughs> and that's the just like bad like bad like. This is my high school like CG rendering project, which is, is which is actually perfect for uh, an art school That's true. anime. Mm-hmm. And I loved the first one because it had had that that it's it's as you say like it's got this it's showing just these plates of food doing these cutesy animations and, and its last bit as it's cutting out it's like this this. Think, think of shrimp in a bowl of ice with a couple of ice and lemon. You're like, oh, that's fairly ordinary. And suddenly it, it sort of reaches towards the camera and you <laughs> yes. get this squelching sound. And it's it's, it's wonderful just because it just like, like the first time you see it, it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> well, on well on the note of a, uh, a OP that broke all the rules, uh, why don't we go ahead and take a break and then we'll come back for uh, the next was, part of our podcast, the What You Watching. I was going to quickly mention bad OPs. Does anybody have them? There's tons. There's so yeah, many. There yeah, there are tons. But I the said one the that majority. I'm, the one that the I'm thinking bad. That, oh, but there's one that's incredibly bad, which is one of the openings to My Hero Academia, where the music doesn't even match the lyric, the visuals. It's fucking garbage. You, you, watch you it. nurse grudges if something has a bad <laughs> OP. You'll bring it up years <laughs> later. <laughs> You're just I like, do. oh yeah, I like Hero, I like Hero Academia, but fuck that show because of OP number four. And it's just like, <laughs> oh, dude. But I was also going to quickly mention because I think we haven't talked about it. I am pretty sure that anime openings invented a genre of like denki music from shows like uh, what's it, Sailor Motofu uh, from Lucky Star, like mm. that sort of weird high energy pop fusion funk electric like scatter shot scatter brained. Like time key signature change, like vocal range signature in like split seconds. Like that all comes from anime. That well, you got to make groundbreaking it groundbreaking. That exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you got to make it peppy so that when you have the piano cover of it during the show itself, <laughs> uh, because they don't want to pay rights for more music, yeah. uh, then that'll be fine. <laughs> I, I also want to see a supercut. There must be one out there of people in their show humming the opening of their show. Because I yes, love precisely. it when I love it when stuff does that because it's just like you clearly only got one music song and, and it's great. Okay, now now we're quitting it unless you yeah. get something, Duncan. No, I can't can't really think of any OP which has ever ruined a show for me. 
I mean, I just resent when like a cheap show has a cheap OP. I I I feel resentful. Like Uzaki Chan's OP, I think is very low effort. Yeah. Besides, yeah, I also think Dumbbells is a very low energy effort. Like Ooh. low effort. Anim- like the song's good. The open the anime anim- like the opening is low effort and it's good. like if there's not, if I'll be shocked. I haven't seen the show. Oh, I, should but, <laughs> I hate but, this, but, I've but I shall be shocked if there isn't an uh, an animation of somebody lifting up some dumbbells in the show that could be <laughs> over ad infinitum, right? Because that's oh, all I that ha- fucking. I is. hate when they use when they use animation from the show, especially from like the first the first episode. First episode yeah. It's 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 the worst version <laughs> of trigon's op where they have the boomerang guy the giant boomerang guy with the green mohawk who never appears after the first episode yep. but they're like sure he's the antagonist sure whatever yeah, yeah god of high school does uh, that uh, uh recently that's actually i didn't like tower of god's opening i felt its tone didn't fit with what the show seemed to be doing most of the time i i don't know like but maybe that's just a, not having an ear for k-pop but there you go <laughs> I mean, we're also glossing over the uh, the long ranged and much beloved um, re- like history of four kids like just murdering oh. their OPs with uh, <laughs> Yo Ho Ho. He took a bite of gum gum. Uh, digital Digimon, digital monsters, Digimon other champions, digital like, monsters, digital monsters. Apologies. Um, yeah, so lots of terrible shit. Although to be fair, the Pokemon OP maps still know all the words to that fucking song. Definitely doesn't look Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now that you brought up the Pokemon OP, I'm I'm pulling the plug myself. Sorry, no more one more things. Take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk about anime. See you in a bit. Yeah. Didn't catch them all. That's why you've always been. Oh this. my god. <laughs> we're back for the second half of our podcast we'll be talking about what we're watching i'm gonna go ahead and start because i'm the host and have uh prima nocta privileges uh you all know but maybe our podcast listeners don't know that i've gone through a big run of older shows i watched um now and then here and there which i would love to talk about someday maybe on a tween but for now what i'm watching is boys over flowers the 1997 adaptation of the manga by by Yuki Yoko something Yoko, Yoko Kamio, Kamio, whose only other famous thing is Cat Street, which is about a about an actress who gets stage fright and then she learns to like reclaim so, herself. Also, uh, quick quick question, Ben. The one thing that none of us knows is that fucking Latin shit that you put in at the beginning. What's that word? Prima nocta, first That's night. It. If you've watched, if you've watched Braveheart, which I guess of course I haven't watched Braveheart. The fuck do you think I am? Oh my god! Has it got four episodes? If it is, I'm not watching it. It's a movie, (laughs) (laughs) starring Mel Gibson, who granted is not as fresh as he used to be. I don't think. I don't think Mel Gibson's ever been fresh. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, so it's the 1997 adaptation, 51 episodes. It's not fucking around. it's possible, actually even probable, because Netflix has the K-drama version of it, or the most popular K-drama version of it, 
uh, on on stream. But it's been ap- adapted into J drama, K drama, and C drama, CH drama. What do we call Chinese Chinese uh, drama style stuff? Uh, but it's a very popular uh, story about this poor girl who, through circumstances, goes to a rich boy's school and pisses off a quartet of the four richest boys in school called the F4, the Fabulous Four, um, who are just <laughs> huge bullies who get people kicked out of school or make them quit for fun. Um, and by defiantly standing up to them, uh, she makes two of them fall in love with her, and then she has to decide which of the two. And it takes 51 fucking episodes, and I'm 24 episodes in. Uh, I'll get a big laugh for where I stopped, because uh, I knew I had to stop there once I got there. But... Uh, so Boys Over Flowers has a really big contradiction to it. Uh, it's kind of got one foot in the past traditional shoujo romance styles and one foot trying to reach to the future. And it doesn't really have a solid footing in either. Uh, so in terms of looking towards the future, it wants its protagonist, uh, Tsukushi, uh, who is this poor girl whose parents are very upwardly striving and they're spending a lot of money to make her go to this super rich school where all the richest people are and just going there, you'll make so many connections and you'll meet a rich husband, which is a running joke. That's not as funny. Uh, 23 years later, also uh, about meeting a rich guy. Also a hilarious joke. Cause she means weed in Japanese. So the wheat to be weed defeating the flower. Oh, yes. for how apt. Yes. Yes. <laughs> she is the, uh, she calls herself crabgrass. She's crabgrass. Tsukushi, which is the part of her. I like because, uh, and they imply in the first episode that she's been trying to keep her head down so as not to upset her parents. When the bullies come after her, she reveals herself as smart, independent, fearless. She basically like beats up one of them and was <laughs> like, "Was like you can't get me to kick out. I'm unstoppable." Uh, and when one of the guys like is turned on by this and tries to like take her and do the pretty girl, pretty woman treatment of like, get her hair done and get her makeup done and put her in fancy clothes. And he's like, don't you know all these great brands? And she's like, I'm a no brand girl. You can't buy me. Um, and she has like moments of self doubt where she's got this like voice recorder that she oftentimes puts the things that's bothering her into. Um, like the fact that she likes one of the guys while being with one of the other guys. Um, or she has, she has several different fortune telling devices, which I guess were maybe really popular in the in the nineties, where you like it's got metal pads that you touch your fingers to, and based on your body temperature and pulse, oh, it'll like, like give you a different reading. Like the sort of thing that you put your hand in, like with yeah, the, yeah, got that. yeah, that's weird. That would have like a really racist uh, Roma fortune teller, like yeah, animatronic. Yeah. That would, uh, but anyway, once she's like, once the guys are into her. Uh, the the cool guy, Rui, who's just kind of like this sort of like emotionless ghost dude. And Tsukasa, the angry guy, who in classic 90s style uh, gets very close to raping her twice because he's just so, he's so angry. He's so caught up in his emotion. Um, with 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 her like fighting back, she she tracks these two guys. And the other two guys, the F4, are the the smart guy and the fun guy who don't get to, don't get to be part of this love, this love polygon. Um, but then they, they're like, oh, well, if Tsukushi's like really resilient and stands up for herself, it'll ruin the shoujo romance. So she basically becomes someone who is always in a fog and can't access her emotions, can't make decisions. And it's just every single scene is just her being like, what just happened? Did he just this? What if he does this? 
and like it it feels out of character but basically she's replaced by this pod person who is who has no inner direction and no desire uh from her first real date with uh Tsukasa the the angry guy uh which she's late to because she zoned out daydreaming about the fact that he asked her out she's walking along like going grocery shopping with her mother and she's just like he asked me out the richest guy in the school asked me out and then her mom's like blah blah blah. she's like oh god i'm two hours late for my date uh (laughs) so occasionally she still stands up for herself but usually she's just kind of daydreaming and not really in touch and increasingly these two guys who are into her solve her problems for her um and honestly no one should be really be trying to break them up because she's doing fine with that on her own. It's literally the last person she interacts with is the person that she's currently in love with. <laughs> so Rui compliments her and then Tsukasa compliments her and then Tsukasa dresses her up and then Rui dresses her up and then Tsukasa kisses her and she goes out with him and then Rui kisses her and she goes out with him. At which point um, Tsukasa finally breaks the cycle by being really pissed and betrayed, even though he's like, I'm going to let you make your decision about who you want to be with. Um, and then deciding that she hadn't told him and he, he, she goes and kisses Rui on the beach. So he decides to get both of them expelled. And through a series of very implausible events, they are now playing a pickup basketball game to decide whether or not they get kicked out of school. So, <laughs> so that's where I left off. Um I think it's funnier for me not to know what happens. I assume they win because apparently it's the it's the other three members of the F four against uh against Rui uh, Tsukushi and her like simp friend uh, who was poor but like got nouveau riche uh, in the intervening years and is now now rich but very crass and stupid because this show is very into the innate classiness of rich boys um, rape attempts aside. Uh, so, uh, so there's that, but, um, it's just very weird to have a show that's predicated on Tsukushi's per- key personality trait being that she doesn't take bullshit and that's why the guys like her and then get rid of that because it doesn't work for a traditional shoujo romance. Mm-hmm. Um, and also the guys that she's with don't really have any personality beyond being rich and being into Tsukushi. Um, they have a friendship that apparently goes out the window the moment that one of them likes a girl that the other one likes. Uh, so it's just very weird to have this, this, this shoujo romance where no one, there's no peaceful episodes where they like go to a beach or go on a trip. Uh, the beach or the trip have to be primarily about causing drama within this friend group and this girl who cannot make a decision to save her life, even though she's, She's very determined, supposedly, increasing this informed characteristic. So I've been very frustrated by Boys Over Flowers because it's occasionally a very beautiful show. Um, but a lot of its writing feels like a child mashing two, two like Barbie dolls together. And they're like, they're in love. Look. And, <laughs> and they just had an amazing kiss. Um, and it, at points, it's a show with a strong female character, no initial caps, just a strong character who's a female um having to struggle with the consequences of getting swept away by this like incredibly intense love by these ridiculously rich guys and instead she just gets swept away to the sidelines and watches these two guys fight over her for 51 episodes i have to i have to reiterate so yeah halfway through really surprised that this has been made into a a k-drama and a j-drama and a, a chinese drama program multiple times 
Uh, and there's a movie afterwards where I assume that more guys fight over her while she's just like, do I like Tsukasa? Do I like Rui? What's going on? Hmm. So, Maybe yeah. Maybe the movie's that's... a beach episode. Maybe it's just a... She, so, so she goes, she's walking down the beach because Tsukasa's brought her there and he's like, well... I'm going to give you like the girlfriend experience so that you know what it's like to date me after he's confessed to her. And he's like, we're going to be sharing a room. We won't be sharing a bed. Um, and I'm just going to like treat you really great. And then she goes out walking cause she can't sleep in the same room as him and sees Rui on the beach. Who's come back from chasing after his, his childhood love who has shaved her head and became a, a lawyer in France, uh, which is <laughs> weird Sorry, and very, Sorry, yeah, what? she like she goes, to, Why? She, she goes she like, on her on her 18th birthday when she's officially emanci- or maybe it's her 20th birthday. I don't know when the official emancipation age is for for Japan. She announces she's like I'm renouncing my family's wealth. I'm cutting off all my hair and I'm going to France to learn to be a lawyer. And everyone is reasonably like why do you have to go to France to be a lawyer? And she's like I just have to do this thing. Um, they question that and not the haircut. <laughs> and 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 so actually one of the nicer moments is is Sakushi like is really bummed out cuz she feels like she's trying hard for her loves and so she doesn't understand why Rui's like well she's going to France that's it like I've got to give up my crush and so she gives him this big speech uh, about how like you have to like you have to chase your love down all the way to the end to make sure it's it's real or not which is not good advice but it's good shoujo romance fodder um and so he and so he gets really mad at her and then, like, when she's going off to France, uh, he shows up with a plane ticket and he's like, yeah, actually, I thought about what you said and it's right. Like, I, I've got to see if this is real and following her to France is the test of our of my feelings for her. Um, and so he goes there and then they like, it's fine. But then he realizes she's falling in love with someone else. And so he goes home and he's and he's all conflicted and he just like doesn't want to be with anybody. He's hanging out on the beach when they're all at the beach house and they talk a bunch. And then she like drops her beeper which Tsukasa gave her so they could know where she is at all times. Cause Tsukasa is a bit controlling. If the, the sexual violence in- incidents haven't, haven't clued that into you. Um, and he finds the beeper out there and he's really mad. And then the next night she fucking goes out there again and kisses Rui. And then Tsukasa is there finding out cause he, he put it together cause he found her beeper out on the beach the night before. Uh, and so that's the beginning of like the big crisis, which granted like already three times in this anime, there's been some sort of betrayal and Tsukasa has been like, I'm getting you kicked out of the school. I'm going to ruin your life because you don't return my feelings. It's, it's so dramatic. And it's just, I keep waiting for the equilibrium stage, which I'm sure Jeff has someone who just watched lovely complex. <laughs> like when they've got, like they both have realized their feelings, but they can't make the move. And so they're just kind of like hanging out as friends, with a bit of tension. Mm-hmm. There's nothing of that there. It's always driving them towards the next like drama the next I'm never going to talk to you again. The next I'm going to ruin your life. The next I can't believe you chose him over me. And I can't believe there are 51 episodes of this. I'm going to keep saying it. It's I just mean, very... This, this sounds exactly like the kind of the show that would last for 51 episodes and be yes. spun off 10 times into different... Because uh, it just sounds like, you know, a soap opera that you tune in to, like, get your fix of weird, like, uh, vicarious, like, adrenaline or whatever. It's just, this is not the thing that I miss from being, so I already put the, I'll put this, uh, put this on the Facebook, this gif of when Rui comes back and she sees him and she walks away and she just like, 
kind of collapses on the stairs because it's just so intense seeing him again. And then like the entire scene is like overwhelmed by by Sakura petals just blowing by her in a very kind of liminal space. And she's just like, oh, my God, I thought that I didn't have feelings for him anymore. But just seeing him reawakens that and i like that part of shoujo romances i don't like the constant fighting over who you should be with shit and that's apparently the main axis of drama for boys over flowers because it's not boys over flowers she's chosen boys Mm -hmm. (laughs) not flowers it's just which boy over over all these flowers that she's trying to trying to figure out and it's just like you got to pick one because she's destroying her life and these two guys friendship, which granted is not a very deep friendship, at least as shown to us in the anime, because she just can't be like she is in love with the guy she's with until another guy walks up to her and he's like, hey, I like you, too. And she's like, oh, shit. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm I have all these feelings for him. He's like, yeah, I'm going to go play my violin on the emergency stairwell. You shouldn't come, though. You're with Tsukasa. Bye. I, I love I love. Uh... <laughs> Two things I love from you, what you're saying is, for a start, like she records everything on like a voice memo system. It's just—it's like a yak like, back. You remember yak backs? No, I, I'm not. She has like a yak back. Yak back. Please, but, please, Jeff, you're old enough. A yak back. I it was this little. Vaguely it was this recall little thing you could, what a yak back is. You could is. record something. You could record like a five second thing, and then you could like do voice distortion to it. Oh, mm-hmm. actually, I do remember this. See, yes. you're not that young. Yeah, younger. yeah. <laughs> you could yak. You don't talk back or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah, you, yeah. uh, yeah. It was, it was part of the first wave of like super cheap electronics from China, and so yeah. like Simon Says and Yak Backs and stuff were really popular. But what was she? Does she just have loads of them? Or well, she'll just she'll, just, she'll just she'll just no, she has this one, and she it's just whatever's going on because her friend gives it because her friends like if you help someone who's been given a red slip by the F four, that's how they like ostracize you. Then right. you get a red slip, and so all her friends she she stands up to the F four because her friend is getting screwed over, and she like comes in, and she's like, you can't just bully a girl because you don't like the way that she walked past you and they're like fine we'll bully you instead and she's like that's fine i'm crabgrass sakushi you can't you can't uproot me i'll come back it's a great character right that's but a that, great that's a great comeback yeah she Solid. like yeah the whole show at least the first core is just her like telling off rich people who think that they can bully her and she's like you can't bully me i don't care i'll fight back she's like a good fighter which kind of like is a low-key, non-informing character trait of these three guys come at her with bats and she like kicks two in the nuts and steals the third's bat and runs away. And it's just like, fuck yeah, Sakushi. <laughs> I, uh, I, I also <laughs> love the idea that she's then going to be like playing back these messages and be like, I don't know how I feel about Rui. That's the thing. That's the fucking thing, Andy. <laughs> Well, because well, well, her friend is, like, too cowardly to stand up with the girl who defended her. And so she, like, leaves this, like, little frog-shaped voice recorder in her desk. It's just like, I think you're really brave, brave Sakushi. I hope you're going to be okay. Um, and she just uses that to, like, record when, like, things are bothering her because she has no friends because she's getting bullied by the four richest guys in school. And so when she has something that's on her mind, she says it to this recorder. And she'll, like, play it back while she's, like, trying to think about stuff where she's just like, she's just like... Rui is my bully. Why do I have feelings for him? Or like, why do why does why do I why does my heart speed up when I see him? Why indeed? Exactly. And so it's very beautiful. Like her, like trying to work out these feelings when she's been socially isolated by these three bullies, and she kind of has like this weird sort of love hate relationship that is not entirely sure if it's distinguished from just the experience of their of their richness and power. Like these are the four richest young men in japan and everyone knows them when they walk like oh it's the domyoji air 
he's the heir to like four factories. His family has there's an episode there's an episode where they talk about all their houses they have. Uh, where Rui's just like, yeah, I, I just have an ep- I just have a house in in Hokkaido and a house in L.A. We don't really go to them much, and it's just like. This show kind of sounds like somebody found a list of like red flags for, you know, am I in an abusive relationship and adapted that into a manga where it's like, oh, it's like I've been been isolated and I'm being bullied and I'm being (laughs) treated like shit. And now I'm dependent on these guys. I've got bad news about all, about most shoujo romance, Jeff, <laughs> in terms of red flags for you shouldn't being. So it's been very weird to watch this. And like my girlfriend's occasionally in the room. She has she got tired of the show. And granted, if I don't have like a couple fingers of whiskey while I'm watching it, I, I often get frustrated with it, too. Um, speaking of better living through chemistry, as I said in the first half. <laughs> uh, but like she's just like, why does she put up with these guys? And like she's just inexplicably in love with them. You know, it's anime. Where she's just like drawn, like viscerally drawn to these guys, um, it just can't like she's in their gravity in a way that's that's very exciting. Like like a, I've, a couple of my friends have talked to us like if you're 14 to 16, this sort of shit is your jam because like that's how big the feelings are. Where you literally you literally collapse on the stairs because you're just so overwhelmed by having seen your crush again after not seeing them for months. Or and this is another gif I'll post of like having one of your like seeing one of your friend one of your crushes with someone else and she walks away and like the screen gets wider and wider and the the line work gets dimmer and dimmer until finally like a wave of the ocean just like washes over the cell and when it recedes she's in her room like with her head in her hands like she's had like she has a panic attack seeing this person and i I love these big emotions but it's all big emotions and they've made sukushi such a weak character to just support her having a panic attack every episode about the other guy, the one that she's not with, being with someone. And it's just, ah, I, I can't, I, I, we should it move on. It very much sounds I, like Ben. <laughs> you've, you've seen the show, which is like the negative space described by every shoujo, modern <laughs> shoujo I've seen. Like, like it's the thing which... It's the thing which just dropped into the pool, which created all these rip, ripples, which are the things I've actually observed. And like things like, because um, uh, it's very respected, yeah. I think it's like a it's a foundational show from like, the early to mid '90s, or a foundational manga from the early to mid '90s. It's like just modern sort of um, meta commentary stuff, like um, Domex Cano. Then you've got uh, stuff like um, an equally venerable, but far, even compared to this, far less abusive show with. Um, uh, What's what's the premise? Come on, let's do let's do shoujo shoujo romance guessing. Fruits basket. Oh, fruit basket. And... I would say it's a it's about on par with the abusiveness of fruits basket. It's just that it's every episode. There's no like downtime. That's the thing that is really like makes it hard for me to watch. Like there's just no episodes of Sakushi being a person. Every episode, and you can look at you can like I'm gonna go ahead and quickly like pull up the boys over flowers. Pull up the episode list, and I'll just read off the titles of. Um, Declaration of War, I Won't Be Hurt, Me, Him, and the Other Guy, Cinderella for a Night, uh, Tsukasa Snaps, Love Beyond the Horizon, A Date in the Snow, Love Moves Too Fast, Get Lost, Please Believe Me, Mine at Last, Will You Go Out With Me? These are shows that are happening, Bestill My Beating Heart, Night of Betrayal, The Crime of a Kiss, A Bewildering First Date, Love's Tempest, Being Expelled, Two Ways to Love, Sleepless oh, that's Night. My, you get- that's my favorite. <laughs> Two ways to love. 
Yeah. Uh, Futari uh, Sorizore no I. So it's just. Yeah. Yes. I, I was going to say that I love also that this girl has. Um, the, like, she's renounced all money, but then she's also like, can I go to France? <laughs> oh, she's not interested in France. That's that's the other girl. That's that's the the first love who apparently stopped Rui from being bullied when they were in kindergarten because everyone everyone is everyone's childhood friend. This anime, which to their <laughs> which to their credit, like breaks off the childhood the the like the first girl question because like they're all have been impossibly. But no, her there's a running joke of her family does not give she she show, she shows up she shows up bloody. After one of uh, after one of Sukasa's like attempts, he like tears open her her shirt and slaps her when she tries to fight back, and then she starts crying, and he like gets sorry, and so she comes home with a shiner, a bloody lip, and a torn like collar, and her parents are like, "Oh my god, what happened?" And she's like, "I fell down some stairs." I'm like, girl, you need to be careful. And it's like, no, you knew that she was going on a date with a guy, and she shows up with a black eye and a torn collar and a bloody lip, and they're just like. How was your date with Domyoshi? And, and she was like, it's fine. I don't want to talk about it. And they're like, make sure that he likes you because we need you to marry Rich. And I'm like, man, <laughs> the well, 90s were so long okay. ago. I mean, so long about, ago. Yeah, it's, 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 it's like just strange. Like even th- the things which I think of as as older, like um, Oren or which. Oren, like, Oren is riffing off of this yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. Well, even, even to a certain extent, like Utena. Like, like this, mm. this even predates, like, like, I think we're just so steeped in, like, the meta-commentary which has been going right. on that we haven't really dealt with, like, the the raw, unfiltered um, source, which is, is what you have stumbled upon, Ben. Well, because I, I watched it as a history lesson, which I occasionally do when I forget that, like, it took me three years to get through Space Runaway Ideon, my last, like, really big history lesson. Uh, but like, yeah, it's really weird to like watch the the like super tropey tropes that later stuff is riffing on, and like, oh, what if Oren High School Host Club didn't have the cross dressing riff and didn't wasn't really a comedy? How would that show be? And it would be kind of like really predicated on these kind of scary power relationships that exist. If you're a poor girl among rich dudes who like, who like, Sukasa at one point assaults a teacher because she tries to stop him from beating up a guy. He's like kicking a guy who's like in the fetal position trying to, trying to protect his ribs. And the new health teacher who apparently doesn't know that you don't fuck with uh, the F4, like gets in front and he like attacks her with a piece of glass and then it has to be held back by his friends. And he's like, I can do anything. I own this school. And it's just like, Fuck. I mean, like, I, I like, I like high emotion. I like high emotion in anime, but this is like too high. It's not even like ruining my suspension of disbelief. I'm just like, I want people to be normal kids briefly so I can connect with them because I've never, besides, unfortunately, our president, I've never been in a situation where someone's like, I could kill somebody. No one would stop me. <laughs> so, well, talking uh, about shows. Oh my god. With, with- <laughs> Good luck, Andy. I appreciate you. Thank you for Talk, being on this podcast. Talking about shows where you don't um, necessarily have to worry about love, but instead decide to buy it. Um, <laughs> um, I've been watching Rent a Girlfriend, which is this season's like weird trash bag anime of romance. Um, and uh, it's, whew, oh boy, it's very strange. Uh, 
premise is basically this um, one guy who um, I temporarily have forgotten talk, the name don't of. Don't talk while you're typing, cause... dude. Then we can't. Then we can't get rid of the. <laughs> can't get rid of the clicks. Sorry, it's been a while. I'm really sorry. <laughs> you're really, out of really practice. Sorry. Please forgive me. Uh, Kazuya, uh, traditional show, uh, shoujo shonen protagonist name. Um, Why? Kazuya... What, what, what does Kazuya mean? Sorry. I don't know. I think it's uh, uh, peace, peace, harmony, calm. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, Kazuya. It's a very, it's a very, it's a very normal, boring name for a boy, yeah. according to babynames.com slash babyboynames. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Going for the big. Uh, okay. Go on, there, Andy. But anyway, oh, man, that was a, oh, there, there's an there's a uh, character in Idol Master called uh, Kaho Fuji Kawa. And her for kan- kanji is eggplant, um, eggplant, Mount Fuji, and an um, eagle. Which, oh, nice! Which are the yeah. three lucky things to dream about? I, so. I, I, I love her just for that. Anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kazuya. Um, I also said a name. Which, anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, she he uh, he goes to college and is recently dumped by the girlfriend uh, Nanami. And um, she is, he is desperate, really needs... Classic, sorry, sorry, Nanami is classic bitch in, in <laughs> anime name. <laughs> speaking, uh, yeah. speaking of Utena, so... Uh, Mami Nanami. But yeah, oh, uh, no. Uh, yeah, yeah. Poor girl. Uh, ultimate, yeah, ultimate... And to be fair, she doesn't really do herself much justice either. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so he then, he then gets, like mega lonely and it's just like you know what um i'm alone and uh i really need some human affection so i'm gonna go on this new app i've heard called heard called rent a girlfriend which is basically an escort service not that there's anything wrong with the sex trade like you know you do what you gotta do girl but it's an escort service for um people without the sex so it's just him going on a date with a really cute girl uh in this case it's uh girl called Mizuhara, uh, Chizuru Mizuhara, um, and, uh, you know, he has a lovely date with her, it's really great, and then he just is like, uh, and then he's like, oh, but she was just doing it because she was getting paid, she wasn't oh doing God. it because she, yeah, exactly. I hate this guy. E- exactly, oh, exactly, no, I, I hate him too, and, <laughs> like, he, it's one of these weird things in which, like, so, so then he, he gets a second date with her, and then he's really moody out goes to like the aquarium when he something that he hasn't interested she is like oh look it's that fish it's that fish it's that fish and then he's just like really angry and then shouts at him he's like you're not real this is all fake fuck you i'm out of <laughs> here and then yeah and then uh <laughs> so he <laughs> hires a girl and then and then gets mad at her that he paid actually, her money i actually forget it hides a girl gets mad at her pays her money gives her a bad rating because this <laughs> system has a rate, this app has a rating system, uh, and then and then Dunk goes, you know what? I'm gonna fucking prove it. I'm gonna go on a second date that you're just fake and full of shit, and then goes on. And then like, what is quite funny is he then like she grabs him aside, and then he just fucking tears him a new one. It's just like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, of course I'm a dating service. You can either pretend that you, you know you're in this date and you can enjoy me for like the two hours for like. 5,000 yen, which is about, like, 50 quid, like, that you have with me. Or, you know, you could just fucking, like, fuck off. Like, I don't care. I've got loads <laughs> of other people that I could, like, get money with. But, like, 
during this rampage. Like, this is what is good. It's like, Mizuhara kind of saves the show in that she is the ultimate realist because she knows the situation she's put on. is like, well, I'm just a renter girlfriend. I don't have any real attachment to him. Um, but, you know, I, I'm doing it for the money. Uh, and she, he is not doing it for the money. He's trying to get some emotional attachment, which is clearly not there, which is ridiculous. But anyway, he then finds, like, stupid shit happens where but it turns out that she lives next to her. They're at the same uni. And then for some really fucking... It becomes an anime. Yeah, yeah. It, then it becomes an anime. <laughs> uh, and for some really, like, ridiculous reasons, she, he goes to a hospital with her, which is the same hospital that her grandma's in. And then she, he's like, this is my girlfriend. And then, yeah, because, you know, she's not, but she is. Like, she could he could have just said... We're just we're just schoolmates, but no. We're, they don't they don't do that shit in anime. Like panicked not. panicked calling a girl you're with your girlfriend is like one of the like top ten tropes in, but, in certain but, types of anime. But then also his like reasoning, I can't really remember it at the time, but it was pretty much like fuck it, I paid for this. I, I guess I'll just say that. <laughs> I guess, <laughs> which is like to be which is fair enough because she's like it's fine. Like I do this all the time. Like people introduce me as their girlfriends to relatives and. But, you know, you just got to say, like, break it off, break it off, break it off. we got to, like, like, we're not a couple, break it off. And, oh, it just, it's, and then, obviously, they meet the, like, the ex-girlfriend, and the ex-girlfriend gets jealous, and, like, and then just tries to really put it on thick with him, and then he's like, oh, shit, do I have a chance with the ex-girlfriend? Who doesn't actually like him, has blocked his Twitter account, and then throughout this whole Twitter, just rampages like hateful shit online, just being like, I hate this prick. Like, I'm going to show him. I can't believe he's found a cuter girl than me. Like, like none of the girls are presented nicely. The main character's a bit of a shit. And like the main... So, it, so is this like Konosuba where everyone is an asshole and no one's a good person? So you can just kind of like enjoy the, the moral void that's happening here? Kind of. Although like, at least you had a, like the, the renter girlfriend... Like the titular renter girlfriend, like she has like a sense of realism. Uh-huh. But she's gold, she's, you would say. Yeah, uh, uh, she's she's making she's making bank, Andy. She's fine. She, yeah. she is so much making bank. But but now where we're at, so they went on a beach holiday with the ex girlfriend because why oh, the no. fuck not? What? Then, what? Yeah. Yeah, what? Then, Going on a beach holiday with your ex-girlfriend with and your, ex-girlfriend. And your escort? No, 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 no. Not the escort. The escort's not there yet. But the escort... Oh, no. <laughs> Don't, you, I might guys, have to watch this anime. You can't, Jesus you can't Christ. See, you can't see uh, Ben's, like... I, I want to pick a show right now. ...mouth of shock. Like, so... So, so oh, goes with... With bad Madame. life decisions, the anime. <laughs> <laughs> bad much. life decisions, the like, anime, into, causing bad watching decisions. I, I, I would like to pretend that I that I have like a good relationship with most of my exes. I would never go on a beach holiday with any of my exes. Full especially, stop. especially, no. especially a beach holiday with an ex that has already tried to come on to you a little bit, and uh, and then is that he's like, nah, maybe it will be fine because he's going with his like with his other two supporting like friends who are just guys um but then so and then are they, also, are, they are they chill at least are they like chill dudes at least no no no, no. i see his face <laughs> oh my god um so, so then also like like and then also in traditional anime fashion the renter girlfriend uh chizuru 
she is also there in the same location with her other friends oh. from university. Because this is the other clincher. In university, she's a new doesn't look like a cute girl. She's wearing glasses. has got oh, like braids. Are they swirly on glasses. The, uh, they're the big, thick. They're big, thick lenses. They're not swirlies. They're not oh, like dude. the classical comedy. They're just thick lenses. She also looks like quite a cute. Jeff's just beaming. Girl. It's it's so good. It's so wholesome. <laughs> uh, and, and, and so they don't notice when she's out of girlfriend mode that she is <laughs> that she is the same person. But it's like Clark Kent. <laughs> <laughs> as a traditional anime but anyway it's compensated dating with Clark Kent oh yeah and so what happens is for some reason uh, Kazuya and Mizuhara run into each other at a 7-Eleven some odd reason they go into a <laughs> yeah they go into like don't you mean 11-7 11, or 4-16 uh, <laughs> or whatever they call or the, it or a Norson or an Umeson if it's by the sea but yeah so they they so they meet also to double add the weirdness, like he's taking a piss in a toilet and then he forgets to lock the door and then she just walks in. And then meanwhile, as they walk in, close the door, realise the error, and then Nanami comes up, the ex, just like, are you okay, Kazuya? you got to get them drinks. And then he's like, shit, the other girl's in there. So then she has to come out as the natural, like, girlfriend. And, oh, man, it's just like a weird, weird show that I okay, don't Okay, weird, weird connection Boys Over Flowers also has an incident where uh, where Tsukushi forgets to lock the toilet and really gets <laughs> worried about her and walks in on her pissing. And then he – okay, this is the – he's the cool guy. Like um, what I think of – no one here has watched uh, Yamato Nadeshiko Shichi Henge slash The Wallflower, although I'm hoping that I've like planted a seed in Jeff's mind that will sprout – three months from now um, but that's like i think that's like the three B, the four bc archetypes of like like the cool guy the angry guy the lady killer the mature guy and the silly guy are like the four bc archetypes um so like the angry guy this is the cool guy who just like like he's like so i saw you pee who cares i didn't see, i didn't see anything like personal i just saw you sitting on a toilet and she's like no 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 like there's like the ah <laughs> don't talk ah, and no, that's no. that's a whole fucking episode's plot is that is that they went on a date and then he saw her peeing and like she proceeds to ruin the rest of the date with how embarrassed she is about that what is romance anime i, I don't know but i was just gonna mention <laughs> sorry that the last sorry thing, sorry no 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 it, it's weird like it's weird because then she comes out for some odd reason like them just in a toilet him like oh shit what are we gonna do as he opens with nanami <laughs> like outside being like what the fuck's going on and he's like I've just been here. Who are you talking to? And then, like, the girlfriend comes out in girlfriend mode, so they didn't notice. Meanwhile, she's just abandoned her actual friends. Just, like, there's <laughs> it, random shots of their friends being like, where's Mizuhara? Where is Chizuru? Like, where, where the fuck has she gone? But, I hate you um, so much. You're making me watch this, Andy. I'm so <laughs> mad at you. But, I'm but so she, fucking mad at but, you. But this is the thing, because occasionally, like, Kazuya does, like, a good thing where he, they're all sitting around at the table. <laughs> He's not a shithead. They're, they're, like, grilling Chizuru, because Kazuya makes up that she's from round here. That's why they met. Um, and then she's just like, actually, you guys have got a thing. Like, we're going to go our separate ways. Like, I don't want to talk about it. And then everyone's like, well, I guess that's that. Like, which is, by the way, the thing that she's been telling him to do since episode one. And this is about episode five or four by now. And then, like, this other guy, his other friend just fucking clocks him one. It's like, how dare you turn down a cute girl? Like, the fuck? And then, for some other reason, they then go on a cruise together because the friend is just like, I feel bad for clocking my best friend, but um, 
real reason is is because I I like him so much that I want him to find someone that he's really happy with. And you're like, well, well, don't punch him. Good reason. If my signal gets really bad, it's because I'm torrenting five episodes of <laughs> <laughs> Pretty Girlfriend. And then, I mean, I've explained the first few episodes to you, basically, but then like... To, 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 <laughs> to, to compound my illegality, I'm going to smoke a big bowl of weed and then watch five episodes of Pretty Girlfriend. It's going to be a good set Sunday afternoon. I'm that's going to be That's going to be a good sesh. That's going to be a good sesh. <laughs> You, you realize this is all getting cut. <laughs> but we'll keep the energy, Duncan. We'll keep yeah, the energy. Keep the this energy. is all, uh, but, but... all gone. <laughs> I, I, may, I may live in a state where weed's legal. Who knows? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I do not live in a state where torrents are legal, though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, anyway, the last episode I watched, which to be fair is episode four, I think, is like, for some odd reason, she's just a bit ill on this cruise and then falls off the boat. Like, falls <laughs> off the boat. I like, wish Andy Hell least... was still around so much. <laughs> which is at least two stories. And then Kazuya, out of fucking nowhere, it's just like, I'm going to run and jump into that water to do what? <laughs> I don't fucking know. And that's how the episode ended. And I'm like, what is this anime? Like, it's kind of enjoyable. It's it's getting bad. getting really Getting really seasick on a boat is like a big anime thing that uh, no, it has actually actually made friends of mine. I had a friend who just watched a ton of anime and he was really scared of going on a cruise with his parents because he's like, I'll be sick the whole time. And like, that's just <laughs> anime. They don't, you don't actually like, you're not like actually throwing up for all like two weeks that you're on a cruise, dude. It's not, that's not how it works. Yeah, no, no it was. No it, one would go on a cruise if that was actually what happens the first time you get on a boat. It was, uh, it was, it was the better anime trope of, just her mentioning, I think I might be catching a cold wearing this out all day long. Like, and that what? was like a one-line thing. And then she's like, oh, actually, I just need to sit down on the cruise. And it, oh, mate, it, it's like, I kind of can't hate it. because like You love it. You fucking I, love it. I do a little bit because everybody <laughs> is a piece of shit. And it is that thing where it's just like, every time you see a character who, apart from Mizuhara, is like, she is a shit to Kazuya, but A, Kazuya deserves it, and B, mm. like, he's only, she's only a shit to him, like, when he's being an absolute troglodyte, like, absolute scrub of the earth back, and then would occasionally be like, well, you know, you're not that bad, but then he, obviously, that gives him mixed feelings, and he's like, oh, well, that means I've got a chance with the person that I pay money for to go on dates with, and it's just like, motherfucker, like, and, and then he hates that he goes on dates, but then, like, it's, it's, like he's like oh but I'm... and then there's one bit later where it's like, oh, I've just run out of money going on dates with this woman you're just like oh, stop doing, doing it Andy Ben I would just like to say you two have provided the answer to the question of what makes domestic girlfriend look wholesome <laughs> doesn't doesn't Dome Kano have incest though <laughs> only technically <laughs> oh god yeah, yeah. None, of, none of us are free from sin <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, if Dome, if, <laughs> if Dome Kano is like your straight up like romance, like your classic in as classic as now as modern anime can be, anime romance. Like this is sort of like a really messy high school romance, which like this guy is mostly thinking with his penis, and then occasionally. When he isn't thinking with a penis, 
actually a good guy, but then it all goes to shit because something because another friend who's not thinking then tries to get them back together when it's like no you don't get involved like you just don't get involved why are you getting involved with it anyway 15 volumes of this shit so look i'm looking forward to seeing how the anime I, goes on i have heard unfortunately a little bit of spoilers but uh the anime news network commenters are like yeah he he never changes he like comes close to having a revelation and then he gets anime amnesia that makes him forget all of his character development since the beginning of the series that's so sad that's so <laughs> because sad. The, ma- the mangaka was not was not ready to get rid of their in in kakushi goto fashion the mangaka was not ready for their series to end so i imagine he hits his head <laughs> I, I imagine that was when the anime got announced that he got the sudden amnesia like <laughs> I, i'd like to be fair like the animation is lovely the the uh like the, the character design like it's got this really it's got a really nice like feel to it and i do really enjoy it like the animation's not bad the ending though talking about endings uh openings and endings um it's literally him with the girls there are four girls i haven't met two of them yet um there are four girls in the background in cheerleading outfits whilst the main guy kazia is shaking a can of energy drink really energetically um, as a chibi and that's the ending and then it gets more and more energetic and then it erupts at the end I'll mm. leave you guys to work out that subtle subtle hints <laughs> it's weird <laughs> shall, shall we go from one unsubtle teenage metaphor to another and talk that's an a excellent bit about transition, Duncan. FL CL progressive show don't you mean Furi Furi Curry I don't think it deserves that name Ben I don't think we're gonna. Oh, oh, we got a we got a real fan here. But let's let's start out 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 not a, saying like so. FLCL or Furikui was a show made by Gainax many many years ago and was a defining show of a lot of people's anime. I I, I feel like it's the first like post post Evangelion mecha like in in a way that's a very big statement but like the first one was like let's take the piss out of yeah the like post mecca that that evangelion inaugurated it, it was the it was it had then we get die buster and then yeah. we get gurren Lagann. it had very almost punk vibes to it and mm-hmm. like it's, it's soundtrack by the pillows was really strongly intricated to it like i don't think any other show of its time that resonated for me me anyway and yeah it it was defining for i think of it of its time and then many many years later um it was announced that there was going to be not one but two sequels to it flcl progressive and flcl alternative which which happened after the flcl uh name came fell out of license Um, yeah and, and, and Gynex, then, Gynex couldn't afford it, so I yeah. production IG bought it. Which is insane. How can Gynex not afford the, their own? Because yeah. Gynex yeah. Is, a, is a is a shell of its former self Gynex. and is not. Oof. Yeah, yeah. There's so it's, it's just it's, it's just Yamaka presiding over the ashes. Honestly, did, did they just sell it off then? Like, did they sell off? I thought they sold off the title. Not like that. It's it, possible. Maybe I, I'd have to look it up. Sorry. With the many intricacies of different transfer of IP between members of production committees, it's entirely possible that one part which wasn't Gainax had that at and then who knows. But anyway. Well I know that I know that IG had some production rights in there, which is why they had like first offer of, of buy, but I, I do think it was I don't know if it was a fire sale for the for the show or not. The original FLCL was a 
as Ben said, it was it was a mecha show with a difference, and the difference being that it was told told from the difference of a teenage boy who was instead of just the typical mecha pilot, it was not about the boy piloting the mech, it was about the boy being a teenager and falling in love and having doubts about his place in the world and all those things that actual teenagers do shoehorned into a hyper energetic mech show. And it was it was great and we've talked about it before. Um and these many years later there were two two shows commissioned to follow up on it. And the first of those was progressive. Which technically the first of those. Because <laughs> remember for April Fools they gave they released the first episode of Alternative, which is why I got really hyped for Alternative. And we'll get to Alternative another time. Sure, sure, but, yes, but, absolutely. But let's deal with Progressive first. Progressive was an attempt to take the story forward. More specifically to take its law forward, which is kind of where it falls flat because like progressive thought the interesting parts of flcl was this weird concept of no sort of which is like negative it's like the difference in the energy between the right and your left brain and this company called medical mechanica which is like a weird intergalactic uh, megacorp yeah just weird shadowy megacorp and they thought those were the interesting parts of, of of FLCL, and the answer is they're not really. Then they were they were never the interesting parts, and so we get a show which is about carrying the law forward with no emotional heart behind it, and it was just incredibly disappointing. And I, I I'll talk about alternative another time when I've I've more fully digested it, but progressive. I think almost poisoned the well because it's so derivative. Like, like that's a, a cheap shot to use for, use for a sequel, but it really was like there's no... no. It's it's a fair it's a fair assessment to make for a sequel. Um, and yeah, it's it's idea uh, being that like I I had hope for it initially because it its decision was to have a a, a heroine rather than a hero, it's the same age. Same small town setting, and I thought, okay, so maybe this is actually going to take a look at what it's like to be a teenage girl rather than what it's like to be a teenage boy. And there was some interesting gesturing towards towards that to begin with. With um, uh, Hidemi, is that her name? I think that sounds right. I uh, the characters in Progressive yeah. are so forgettable, and I watched them apparently according to. Our website. I watched them literally two years ago. So, so. yeah, she's she's. While I was um, watching Frank's, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's weird that it, it came out at the same time Frank's because, like, in for all its flaws, was Frank's seemed to be trying to do something. Whereas <clears throat> I think aggressive fails even on just, on that level because it, it really. So, yeah, I was just gonna say like the idea of like a show like Foodie Cooley and then them looking at that product and then being like how can we build on this i know let's build on the law is such like a tropey like lazy way of trying to create a sequel that is probably why like which is another reason because i don't know i love foodie cootie so much but i don't need or want to have that yeah, stuff yeah that's exactly it. or or like detailed i don't care i like it doesn't matter it's a fucking massive iron that's like 
cleaning out that's like ironing out the wrinkles of society like i don't that's a stupid yeah. metaphor that i don't care any more about mm-hmm. well that that's a very mature take on it andy but yeah. and, i think that they definitely they definitely figured out how to cover the bases they had alternative which is like a spiritual successor and they have progressive which is just like well, let's tell you more about Medical Mechanica and Inno and Adamosk, the Pirate King, and, and, about... and, Har- and Haruko, who's pregnant now, uh, <laughs> which is someone's fetish. So, and, this, and her personality's been split into two as well. Oh, yes, yes. yes. She has and nice so, Haruko and, so and bad we get Haruko. A, we get a more rounded look at Haruko. Like, what? No, she's not. That's not that, that, the character. Haruko is a symbol yeah, for, for, like, scary older personness and she, yeah, she's not like some forbidden love that you don't know whether you should really be following and trusting or not like she's she is both she both like gives him stuff and then also takes away and then oh i mean and she's scary well, and unpredictable and it's, it's yeah. just it's someone who ruins your life but you don't know if you should if it's but you, you can... who's letting it happen or if it's them that's making and, it happen and but... she and you can't help but follow yeah. like yeah. yeah and that that yeah. was the well, first yeah, you're six and that was the <laughs> the first flcl and that was the, the good stuff about it and uh Hidemi is this cat earphone girl like that was the first thing everyone noticed about it what the hell's going on here like so she's got this pair of like massive like glowing headphones with Cat yeah, ears. super. I bet they exist. They out, do exist like, on the internet. They do. Uh, um, I'm pretty sure I have some. And they, there the, are there are massive plots contrivance that they're they're what's prov- locking her inner power down and keeping her normal. And like, so the the inter- Let's get it. The few interesting bits it it does do with. Hidemi as well is that Hidemi just like um, Naoto Naoto uh, just like the boy in the original FLCL she he, she has a crush which she's awakening to um, and this takes this manifests itself in some quite weirdly destructive gothy dreams like the like she nightmares, had, even yeah. yeah. She has like a an, a sort of quasi uh, sexual nightmare of being eaten and uh, by zombies and like devoured and like this. It plays with the ideas of like someone um, wanting to lose control of themselves of of and stuff. And okay, maybe you could do something interesting with that if it actually came up for more than like the one or two minutes her dreams occupy in each episode. And the, the dreams are really interestingly drawn because they're always drawn in a completely different style from the rest of the episode. But then we go back to just the Fooly Cooly tribute show and it's just exactly <laughs> the same. Things Medical Mechanica comes to town, they fight them, they eventually win by powering up a big old robot. That's and about then, it. And then... <laughs> yeah no it's 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 very much it codify so what i liked about fully Cooly is that there's this like really sort of inchoate feel to it that is very keeping with nauta being being on the cusp of puberty and like not really knowing what to do with his emotions and everything's kind of like does he love haruko does he hate her does he love uh 
glasses class rep girl man i'm sorry i should know fully coolie names or does he hate her does he does he does he love his father does he hate him he has all these relationships that are that are structuring his life but he has no idea how he relates to them and which is why uh when commander uh amao i think is his name or amano uh the guy with the fake seaweed eyebrows who comes in and just like okay here's how to be a young man in all this bullshit and gives him like bad advice but it's just like tempting when you're that age to to accept that kind of advice and just be like yes okay this is how this is how i mean this is how like incels in the far right (laughs) recruit people by being like i know this is all confusing here's some rules everyone else is an asshole and a liar and so like to take this sort of like shifting series of like does he love haruko does he hate her does he does he all this stuff and is his father a is his father a a clone or or not and all this this weirdness and just and does he does he is he angry at his brother for leaving does he wish he could be his brother and leave too like all of these kind of tensions and just to boil it down into like a bunch of like exercises and lore where like yes medical mechanica is not does not have this tenuous position of like is it the employer of the town or is it the destroyer of the town it's the destroyer and you gotta stop it with a big fight with a giant robot and all these like all these ambiguities being resolved down and progressive really pissed me off it feels like someone who didn't really understand why why the show is why the original ova is so enchanting um because it has no it has no patience for ambiguity i feel Mm, i don't know if if duncan as a recent watcher it just wants to like it wants it wants to take what Fooly Cooley's doing and literally roll the clock back to the nineties where you do have an antagonist and a protagonist and a deuteragonist. Um and I think it's a shame. And I don't think that alternative is successful, but I mm. think it gets a lot closer, we'll so I'm excited to, to talk about that. Time. But... Yes, we will get to that another time. But I, I I think that that it's it's really funny that as we've talked about already, um both of these shows have largely the same the same crew except for directors and it's incredible what a difference that makes and it completely vindicates the many many months of my life that i've spent looking up directors uh, for shows <laughs> I like, and then seeing what else they've done i should look up the director for uh rent a girlfriend and see if i can kind of build a narrative <laughs> for why i'm going to be watching just, that just just <laughs> but... a through line of yeah <laughs> terrible joke like dating robots out of a it's clearly the thing in your life that you're you're jonesing for, and that's fine. I mean, so, after 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 boys over flowers, I'm I'm willing for like the weird shojo romance stasis that sometimes happens. Yeah. Well, if and if I you find you've weird. watched too many romance shows or well animated shows or really shows that have women in them at all, and you'd rather just watch <laughs> shows about badly drawn men trying to hurt each other. Well, and then you can watch Baki. But if you've already watched Baki, then you can watch the next best thing, Mahjong Baki, a.k.a. Akagi. Uh, I mean, I'm going to fight you on that, because that's fucking not true at all. You can't just reference the last thing you've watched, Jeff, and then be like, oh, it's like that. That is completely different. Nothing like Baki. Uh, Andy, out. it's anime. It's from Japan. Yeah. You're right. Apologies. It's not, it's not cartoons. Now I'm just referencing the what is anime commercial. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm sure there is like a vast... <laughs> And well-storied, like, body of work that involves a 13-year-old stumbling his way into the underworld and unleashing a godly 
like genius for the thing that the show happens to be about terrifying all of the uh the people involved and working his way up to like the shadow emperor of the thing that the show is about in a way that is like totally one-sided and everybody is terrified of this like genius child yeah but the genius child also gets through a lot of this shit by mostly cheating like this is the thing that is good about akagi and is very watchable is is it's a lot of it is just cheating. Well, it's just that's, the art that's, of cheating. I mean, um, yeah, like that's that's part of the thing that I really love about the show. Um, you know, I've you guys have told me to watch this show several times. Like, especially every time not, I talk about I, I, JoJo's or every time I talk about Kakeguri, <laughs> and they're like, "Yeah, just watch this show because well, it's better." I think, <laughs> I think we talk about because like both of the say fictional universe is kaiji which you mm-hmm. would also like and then you also in the conversations like during recordings you were like ah, oh, kaiji i thought it was about mahjong i'm like no that's akagi yeah like i actually like, ended okay, up watching like three or four episodes of kaiji and i was like when are they gonna get to the mahjong <laughs> <laughs> man i would i would i would eat that shit with a spoon like uh, a sports anime where they just don't play the sport for the first like <laughs> six episodes just <laughs> no i should though i should yeah so uh, yeah so akagi is a show about playing mahjong and like and but it what saves it from being just like another show about like you know dudes being dudes and everything else is that it, it it actually like stages the like you know the games really well and like you were saying like it, it involves a lot of cheating, but that sort of like gets phased out after the first couple of arcs and starts just really diving deep into the like the psychology of the playing and like and and you know because I had also started watching like Saki for like a hot second because I was like I kind of want to watch a Mahjong show and that's kind of like when it started because like because I, I remembered we were talking about the koizumi or legend of koizumi and you had mentioned a couple of shows and what i remembered was saki and kaiji slash akagi and, <laughs> and, and i started remember, watching saki first said, and i was just like this show sucks said, this show is bad as hell yeah. and then you were like yeah watch akagi idiot and then i did i think it was really i good. said that i said that in, the, in that episode i was like saki is the big saki and akagi are the big two mahjong animes yeah and saki is bad like it's bad there was a sequel uh i think it's called like side a or something which is a, better be a bit better but i haven't and that's more recent but i haven't watched it so far but like the thing that Maybe makes getting... Saki bad is like I and, and like, I only watched like one episode, but this is the the vibe that I was catching off of it. That the whole show is just about her having amazing luck, and so you know they have this concept where she's like, oh, she's so good at the show, you know, but you know she's she's holding herself back because she has all of these issues with her family. So like you know, so so good at the show. No, she's so she's so good at this game (laughs) that you know she's able to keep herself at like a perfect zero score, which is like even harder to do than winning on purpose. And it's all just down to her like getting the exact tiles that she wants at all times. Because like you're not gonna have a show about a 14 year old mahjong uh, phenom who's just like cheating and doing all the other like shady things. Whereas Akagi, it's all about just like you know the the, the mean, confluence between like crime and gambling and how people like stop, exist in this world and go ahead to stop me to stop me there with uh saki like the other thing that saki is um and this comes pretty quickly uh is saki's just magical girls with magical powers mm. so 
Like what you what they would then get is they would then get a two v two match where the other two people that they're playing against just has some insane magical power roughly based on Mahjong. So Saki eventually gets um, Rin Shan Kaiho, which is her power, her special move is that she wins whilst calling a four, uh, whilst calling a can. So she will can, and then she will, and then the tile that she draw from the dead wall is the tile that she's winning off of, which. Whilst not rare, is fucking cool uh, and is very satisfying. And I can see that you guys are kind of switched off already. But like, and then other ones, other characters are just like, yeah, but you know, like this girl has the ability to always win from the last tile called like uh, pulling, which is called like shooting for the moon or like pulling for the moon from the like the waters, mm-hmm. the like the, the depth of the water. Anyway, like so that so they all have their particular winning like winning power like things that they do to win that gives them supposed power and then fear and then they win but then Saki tries to overcome it by doing basically the same move over and over again until eventually someone breaks through and there's occasionally some like fun cool shit where that happens where she like calls a ring Shankaiho which then someone else calls a ring Shankaiho and then it like goes on and somebody eventually wins and that's kind of cool but it's few and far between and then like I think I stopped watching when they just did mahjong in a school in a uh, in a in a pool because then they can wear swimsuits and play mahjong. It's the best of both worlds. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> and, and what was like striking for me in Akagi because uh, like you know the only other like touchstone I have for mahjong is Legend of Koizumi, and that show is just like yakuman, yakuman, yakuman. Like whereas in Akagi, like I don't even think one time anybody has anything that's more impressive than just having like a weird amount of dora which is like you know again like which is like so it's basically just like bonus points that you know take a normal tile and turn it into like you know more points at the end of the game whereas yeah you know it's just like everybody's just got like normal basic hands but it's all about him just like you know working his way into their psychology and like figuring out their patterns in a very satisfying way. And they have like multiple episodes where, you know, the previous episode ends and he's just like, you know, he has like, you know, one tile left and he's just waiting and he's like, you know, he's just, you know, and you know, the other guy he's playing against has to discard one tile of like his 14. And he just like gets up and starts to leave the room. And he's like, well, he's going to pick the tile that I need to win. And he's like, that's impossible. You know, He's just going to like pick one at random and he's like, yeah, you you know, we'll see how that works out. And then, you know, of course the guy <laughs> does it. And then they spend the entire next episode explaining in a way that's like almost kind of plausible about how he did that. And it, it just, it makes for a much more satisfying experience where it's not just like he got the magic tile. It's amazing. And like, and there yeah. are guys who do that in the show, but they're always the bad guy. And, and then also, like, the first episode, he just outright cheats when the policeman comes in. He just yeah. swaps some tiles whilst I was looking. He's like, well, I guess I won. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> it's, it's good stuff. Uh, yeah, there's... Um, and if you like that sort of energy, that is the same thing that's in Kaiji, too. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, I watched, like, the first, sort of like, like, almost the first arc of, like, the, the doing the, like, uh, the, like, the long-form John Ken Pon matches yeah. and yeah, yeah it, it's all about just like you know playing to people's psychology yeah. and like yeah the long Game cons theory, and everything else psychology and... yeah which is really great i really like and i really like those shows i have mm-hmm. to confess i've not watched a lot of akagi um i think i've only watched like two or three episodes but i like what i watched uh quite a lot i just 
I don't know. I I can't. I don't genuinely don't know why something I dropped off it. Just something else. Came maybe I mean maybe Andy. It's something to do with its particular visual style, which I I know yeah. Jeff hasn't mentioned I'm, yet, but I think, I think should I not think... go without comment. <laughs> very very conspicuously unmentioned. <laughs> oh I, well, I mean, I, I said like right at the beginning that it is an ugly, ugly, ugly show. Like it I, is. I love. I disagree. I love the art style. It's so unique. It's so like. It's so characteristic that really long pointy nose and then like you can you can do like a a gallery of like a villain's gallery of noses and you'll be able to tell who's evil and who's good <laughs> just from whether they've got a pointy nose a pointy sharp nose is good guy and then a round fat nose is bad guy and yeah. uh, you know like that sort of stuff transcends all the way down to like yakuza like the latest yakuza season where like the gross. Ugly Yakuza bosses have big old fat noses with moles on and look ugly. Uh, and yeah, I, I, I genuinely like that art style. I, I find it really evocative and really unique in a great way um, that just stands out from literally the rest of the sh- series. Like, mm. Yeah. Shows. And, but and it's also got a really, that- really good OP. Which like yeah. it it sounds like the part of Freebird that everybody skips over. <laughs> and it's just kind of like Akagi wandering through like dilapidated Showa era, uh, Tokyo, you know, sort of like listless. And then it just like the end is just like, bam, this like Mahjong tile slamming down. And yeah. it's like, you know, talking about shows that sort of like tell you what the show is about, you know, through song and visuals. And it's a very good example of doing it really, really well. Have you got to the Warumei Mahjong bit yet? Uh yeah, I, I I powered through the show. I've seen the whole thing. Like it, oh wow, okay. like he yeah. like it escalates. Like you know, because the show starts. He's you know a thirteen year old punk who's like just survived a game of uh, chicken by drive intentionally driving his car as far as he could out into the ocean to avoid the rocks, uh, and then you know snuck sneaks into a yakuza run mahjong game to like lay low and sort of learns how to play on the spot, and then you know forces the yakuza guys to bring in their ringer and everything else just because he's like he's so good at reading people and he's like so beyond you know a human capacity for pressure and fear that he just becomes this instantaneous mahjong master and it just kind of escalates from there to the point where like the last bit where it's like the 12th or 13th episode it's like we're gonna take you to play mahjong with like the secret shadow king of japan who's like amassed an infinite fortune from all of his like you know monstrous luck and you know because he was like part of the japanese secret police and so he has dirt on every single uh politician and he's just like you know, he plays this special kind of mahjong where, like, most of the tiles are transparent, and you're betting your blood, and it's just like. But the writing saves it because, like, the actual like game design of the of the game like works and is interesting, and they're able to draw a lot of like you know genuine good drama and tension out of it, and also are able to turn it around and like you know, give satisfying, you know, if you're, if you're bought into the show, at least satisfying explanations for like how he's able to do these things and what this means that he's able to like, you know, read into this guy and his whole, you know, you know, I'm going to like kill this like old relic of the past because, you know, 
he is me, but he's also, he must be destroyed by me and kind of like high drama kind of stuff that you get in, you know, shows like Baki, you know? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm buying Jeff's Baki connection a bit more now, Andy, sorry. <laughs> fine, yeah, like, Washu, fine, like Washu fine. is basically like Mahjong Yajiro from... Well, any, <laughs> yeah, any like fighting like a member of a com- of like a complex ancient underground community of criminals shakes out the same way it shakes out like baki i feel like in <laughs> yeah. most anime i i mean yeah like i don't know i i <laughs> the, the uh what the thing with the where washimi mahjong is three of the tiles are glass and see-through mm-hmm. of the four of every tile that's in your set so everyone can see your hand which is insane yeah, uh, and I know some people who have that set, and we're like, I'm not going to play with it because it doesn't make sense. Yeah, <laughs> but but the but the show makes a good case for it, and it, and it's also it's got the like the two v two mahjong that you've like you've hinted at as being a thing, and yeah. you know it it explains like you know how how it could possibly be you know a playable game, and it's it it's a hell of a lot of fun. I really like it, I, and I power through it like it, it like you watch an episode and it feels like it was five minutes long. Yeah, I, I would also, uh, what was also interesting about Akagi is it only ended two years ago. Mm-hmm. I actually thought it hadn't ended, but Googling it, it looks, it looks like very it did old. End. So, yeah. It's very, yeah, it started in 1991 and ended in 2018. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah, there was like yeah, there was like a bunch of big gaps, and like the 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 author is like prolific. Like he has like a million different comics that he's done. Yeah, and most of them serialized in. Uh, Kindai Mahjong, mm-hmm. which is one of the few Mahjong only, uh, like monthly serialization manga, um, manga publications like a Shonen Jump. And yeah. It would just be a tackabon of like a manga volume of just Mahjong chapters, which is insane. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, probably half of them are all by him. Yeah, I think I think a fair few were. <laughs> <laughs> uh, his yeah, like you said, insanely prolific. His current thing is Yami Mahjong Fighter Mamiya. So, you know, go figure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 So if you need a break from shoujo and you <laughs> are like nursing uh, a newly found addiction to this dumped gin rummy with tiles, I recommend <laughs> watching the show. How about, I, and I, I also, well, like, I, I've, like, I've spent the last, you know, year or so since uh, we talked about Legend of Koizumi sort of slowly learning Mahjong and I've gotten to the point where I can like, you know, more or less at a glance know what they're talking about without having to like look up terms and stuff like that. And I, I, I honestly could not tell you if the show is watchable without a basic understanding of Mahjong. <laughs> so take that with a grain of salt. But I, I watched it about 10 years ago. Somehow still managed to enjoy it despite that. Okay. Well, there you go. Yeah, Duncan I, says it's I good. I think the actually. fact that a lot of it, <laughs> I think the fact that a lot of it is just cheating, and also what was really cool is like some of the. I think I can't remember when it is. Whether it's like between ad breaks, but they actually show you like the how real life videos of people cheating, and now they actually do the cheating in real life, which is really That's fucking cool. cool. Yeah, and <laughs> um, amusingly, because most of it's now like electronic tables none of that cheating can happen anymore because they talk Mm -hmm. about like odd like caterpillar tactics where they sort of like they grab some tiles that they know they want because they can feel it just with their thumbs and know what tiles they are and then push it towards and then like rotate it under so they know exactly what tiles they're going to be dealt 
it's some like next level cheating, but uh, it's really interesting to watch. Um, mm. so, but I don't know whether that holds up for the whole of the show because, like I said, I, classic Andy style. Haven't watched all of it. If um, that stuff might exist on the DVDs, like Crunchyroll has axed all of that stuff if it ever existed on Akagi. Like they explain huh. it in the show, but there's no like there's none of the real life stuff. Huh. Okay, I'll try and find out. But I got it. I thought I watched it. Okay. okay. Well, in the meantime, uh, I had a really great segue for bringing up the one thing I forgot from uh, Boys Over Flowers, which is that the director previously worked on like the Dragon Balls. He was directed the Dragon Ball Z movies and the Doctor Slump movies and the Digimon Adventure movies <laughs> and Saint Saint Seiya movies. So this is him also taking a break from from masculine fight focused stuff to yeah pokemon is is the ultimate what uh, destination for jeff's uh underground fighting scene where you have yeah, like this pretty much this dog fighting but uh with cute animals so that's where jeff's uh, I think going. andy made a pretty good pitch for uh rented girlfriend so i'm gonna go back into the <laughs> <laughs> back into the romance minds <laughs> i don't even know if it was a pitch like i said it's it evidently it's... was andy it's kind of insane, but kind of fun. And I think I might have pimped it up maybe more. Like, I'm looking forward to you guys watching it and be like, Andy, this is trash. And I'm like, yeah, I know. But, like... Just immediately backing sh- down? How dare no, you? No, I'm not. Because like, I, 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 I still don't know how I feel about this show. Like, I, I enjoy watching it, but then there's so much, like, unnecessary college drama bullshit that I'm just like, well... Why is anybody doing any of this stuff anyway? <laughs> I hope you. Get, well, I hope maybe we'll find out <laughs> when this is all over. We can chat about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, in the meantime, rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Find us on Twitter at Keyframes Pod. Find us on Facebook. Search for Keyframes Podcast. Email us questions Keyframes Podcast at gmail dot com, and <sighs> tell a friend but, but, about our podcast. But but not every friend. Uh, ben, I think what you should really do is rent a friend, rent a friend, oh, and tell no. them about, <laughs> about our podcast. Which, to be fair, would it be mad about? Isn't that like, what if Google you're going to use money is all about? <laughs> Hiring a load of bots to like your podcast, and then give her a bad review because she's not a <laughs> yeah, yeah. Give her a bad review because she listened to your podcast and didn't like it, but then still t- listens. It. it still damaged your masculinity, your extremely <laughs> fragile masculinity. <laughs> All right, so tune in next episode for us talking about Slice of Life as our discussion topic. Say goodbye, everybody. Goodbye.